Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of The B-Side for the Film Stage. On this podcast, we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones they made in between. Today, we discuss our once and future Batman, Mr. Ben Affleck. As always, I'm joined by my producer (laughs) and good friend, Connor O'Donnell. Uh, Connor, what's up? Uh, Not much, man. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, we wanted to do this for a while and not don't worry, it's not just us. We're not going to go on long tangents about Kevin Bacon and wild things as we did in the Harrison Ford episode. <laughs> um, God. We, we're joined by that lovely voice you hear. Yeah, Hi. we have <laughs> we're joined. We have a guest who's going to keep us on track or go in fun tangents that don't involve even though I, I was proud of that tangent for Kevin Bacon and, and wild things. But anyway, <laughs> um, she's going to help keep us on track. We uh, have Marie Barty with us, a New York based producer and production manager and good friend for a long time uh from the trivial worlds yeah the yeah, videology yeah uh-huh. and uh friend friend of chad harbold who's on uh for our sly stallone, stallone episode yep. mm-hmm. so the goal is to really just out outdo him right that's the goal today uh honestly i love chad no disrespect to chad but i don't think it'll be that difficult oh i love it i love wow, it already i, like I love that. it already right. i i mean I hope he I hope he doesn't listen to this. Coming, coming like, out uh, of coming my out voice of is a little more uh, pleasing to the ears. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> so, well, I know Chad. He's busy. He's coming he's, in guns hot, man. Yeah. Guns Chad's hot. on set right now, so let's hope Chad, he, yeah, he gets up a long day, puts the headphones in, is like, what the? He's gonna be like, oh, Marie was on the on the B side. My good great. friend oh. Marie. Oh wait, wait. Um, Marie, so what's up? So we, so okay, we we've all known each other, like we said, f- over the years in mm-hmm. similar circles, what have you. You work in production in New York. Um, obviously, me and Connor, same type of deal. You you were tweeting about the way back, which is the upcoming uh, drunk Ben Affleck coaches the kids basketball team and finds redemption yes. in his heart movie. And yeah, you were by like, the time, by the time you listen to this, I believe it'll be coming out to, right. like tomorrow. You're, you're waiting in line in your Thursday yeah. night. Well, screen right. my, for my, the way back. My tweet said I would be first in line yeah. for the Ben Affleck. Right. And then I think I responded to you. Yeah. Didn't I say like <laughs> you second in line behind me or something like that? I, <laughs> yeah. Because I, so there's a running joke on this podcast that movies like The Way Back or The Call of the Wild or really a lot of B-sides, we, uh-huh. could, we call them Dan Mechacore because <laughs> they're like, you know, movies like The Age of Adeline we talked about with Harrison Ford where it's like, oh wow, they're kind of like nice, I don't know, like movies that don't get made that much anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not all of them are necessarily good, right? Like, you know, those types of kind of movies. Like yeah, middle those of the classic road. mid-tier adult dramas. Thank sure, mid-budget. Exactly. Well said, yeah. well said. Yeah, uh-huh. So obviously, if anybody out there who listens, you know, the minute they saw the Way Back trailer, I mean, that's, I live for that, for that movie. You know what I mean? Like I live mm-hmm. for, so your excitement obviously piqued our interest and we're happy to get you on here to talk about Ben Affleck. What's your, what's your history with Ben? What's your Ben Affleck relationship uh, as a um, uh, watcher films? Okay. Well, I would say that uh, my Ben Affleck relationship really kind of started around the, um, the early aughts with the release of the album J-Lo. <laughs> um, I, I'm 31, so I was not seeing a lot of Ben's movies when they came out in the 90s. Uh, but once we hit 
you know, the the new millennium. And we have this incredible relationship between Ben and Jen. Sure. That is then showcased in, um, uh, I mean, notoriously Gili and a bit of Jersey Girl. But for me, most importantly, in the um, Love Don't Cost a Thing video, I believe. Oh, my. I don't think so. I think, isn't it Jenny from the Block? <laughs> is it Jenny from the Block? It's one of them. You're ta- Jenny from the Block is the video where it's like, it's paparazzi. Right? Yes. Yes, that's Jenny from and the it's, Block. And it's whatever. He, it's He's like oiling her butt. They're on a yacht. Like, he's right. wearing sunglasses. She's wearing sunglasses. <sighs> Uh, Benifer was the first like portmanteau relationship I I think ever that ever existed in you know our tabloid history. Maybe I'm wrong here, but yeah, I it's guess hard. right because it, it, pre- yeah. it preceded uh, Brangelina, yeah. right? Benifer yeah. was it rolls off it. the tongue so nicely, yeah. you know. So it was so nice he did it twice. So right? true, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that was kind of the beginning of my awareness of Ben Affleck and. Um, the interesting thing about Ben, I think as an actor and as a celebrity is that his career has had so many hills and valleys Mm. and he is never really, he's never really been on a straight upward trajectory. He will have a sort of crash and burn scenario. So his relationship with Jennifer Lopez was kind of a bit of a, a, crash and burn and Gili was a huge flop and you know he had to have a comeback when he has his comeback with uh starting with Hollywoodland actually yeah well and I mean we'll we'll dive into it specifically but we're sort of I guess sort of covering the movies that are almost like right around that moment yeah. right because it like leads sort of right up to that we won't be talking about Gili because it is just it's right. famous in, yeah in it's too, too big to be a uh, but yeah. But it sort of lead everything leading right up to that, and then and then we'll talk yeah. a little bit about but Hollywoodland. But I, I sorry, go on. Guess what I'm trying to say is that my, I I first got to know Ben when he was in a bit of a free fall, a low period, <laughs> and I've always kind of felt a strong emotional connection to him because he always seems to be going through these low periods and. Uh, can't help but root for him yeah i think that's yeah that's something that i was thinking about as well like i i guess the like in 2020 maybe the more negative way of and maybe frankly more honest way of thinking about it would be like he is the epitome of like the white dude getting a second chance (laughs) right like 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 a thousand percent yeah Yeah, it's hard it's hard not to have that thought yeah right right and that and it's a totally fair take to have like i i kind of still tend to go to bat for him generally speaking i think we all kind of do here i think that's yeah. why we're talking about well, him, also, but... i think it's important to know i think we're all the same age i think we're all 31 so i think i think maybe that's part of it Marie, I don't know. Maybe your point, we... i think we all kind of maybe have that we're right right in that pocket of like the people who still root for ben you know what i mean i don't yeah. know because i think you uh, you touched on the timeline thing is a really important thing here and i'm glad you brought it up because like it you come into it or at least I don't know, like I feel like I came into it as I started watching his movies like, oh, why does everybody hate this guy like this much? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like he, there are definitely like I, even as you know, even 15 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and we mentioned this right before we start recording, started recording. But like, you know, you're around 15 and the Kevin Smith movies are kind of formative and stuff. So you get introduced that way. I think that was probably my outside of maybe Goodwill Hunting. That was probably my major introduction to him i would guess like through the kevin smith movies like really like watching movies he was in but 
you know, I don't know, watching those movies, I was kind of like, oh, he's like not as bad as everybody would make it seem. And then, you know, you, uh, yeah, maybe that just colors the whole, whole part of it, even when, you know, like, uh, and we can maybe talk about this a little bit more, but like, even when you see just this massive, like disaster that is Justice League, you, I, I can't help but watch him in that movie and like a feel for him, but also like he he's like doing OK work in that movie, I think yeah. like he I think he kind of my, my take on him in particular in that in that brief period mm-hmm. is that like he he's one of those dudes who I think was a, a really good Batman who just got dealt a shitty hand. Like I, if I could like pluck Ben what? Affleck from those movies and maybe, and this is maybe controversial, but like, and like plop him into the Nolan verse, I would be like well, super intrigued what, to watch that. What constitutes a good Batman in your estimation? I think a deep sadness is like a big thing for me. And I think one of the things that's also going to maybe run through the movies we're talking about here is like, and even in his uh, in his comeback modes, I feel like all of his comeback modes are sad Affleck are yes. like, you know, like are like are him sort of digging his heels into the down and out right. and like being self-reflexive about it. And like the more uh, even even something like Gone Girl, right, like it feels like such a perfect performance mm-hmm. for him. It, it, I mean, it's a, it's a great performance, in it, but it feels like such a perfect role for him because it is that, you know. He is the piece of shit in that movie that we perceive Ben Affleck to be. I don't know if he actually is that person, obviously, but like it's that he like that role fits into what I feel like the general public perception is. Right. So it feels just so locked in. Right. But isn't it funny? I was thinking about this. It's funny. Obviously, naturally, you know, the Ben and Matt of it all comes into Uh play because that's how they came up. Right. So even, you know, quickly, he's 47. He was born in 1972, actually in California, though. Obviously, we all know he's a Boston kid. Um, A lot of family turmoil he's talked about. I'll link to some recent articles, the New York Times article, The Profile of Diane Sawyer. Like, you know, he he speaks openly about kind of the troubled childhood. Him and Casey Affleck both do, and their father being an alcoholic and all that stuff. And then, you know, at a young age, as just a 20s actor, he was in stuff like School Ties that Matt Damon was also in. And other stuff, too. And they were coming up together. They decided to write a screenplay. Obviously, it became what Goodwill Hunting is. It went through many, many drafts. Um, you know, touchy subject nowadays, I suppose. But, you know, Harvey Weinstein shepherded that movie into what it was. And, um, you know, painful now to think about. Because, for I mean, for so long, I called that movie when I was younger. I That was, like, my favorite movie. I love – I think I've seen Goodwill Hunting 50 times, you know. So – and I think it's funny when you think about – um, the two of them, when it comes out, there's that narrative of, oh, Matt Damon is the smart one and Ben Affleck's the movie star, right? There's like that whole, like Ben Affleck yeah. makes Armageddon, Matt Damon makes Talented Mr. Ripley, right? Like Ben right. Affleck makes the, you know, and then what I think is funny is there was this idea that Ben Affleck was like, I don't know, like 
not as smart as Matt Damon. What I find funny now, though, 20 years later, more than 20 years later, is it's almost the opposite, right? Now Matt Damon has this weird, we know both of them are very intelligent people, obviously, but now it's like Matt Damon is the one who's the guy you get for The Martian because he's the everyman. And Ben Affleck is the one you get for Gone Girl, which is more of like a talented Mr. Ripley type of performance where he's like too smart for his own good. He's kind of a douchebag, but it's like it feels self-reflexive, right? So I find it interesting. Their careers, and I love that they're currently filming they're oh my acting god I'm together the last so duel. excited about this <laughs> they, they wrote it together it's about a touch touchy subject which i just that idea in general i'm just like Ooh, i just love the idea of matt and ben being like hey let's do it let's let's tackle it but let's do a period drama with a with a with a director who's famously said some problematic things without giving a shit you know and like let's just make this thing and i just there's something so beautiful about the just very brazenness of the last duel that just makes me very excited that it even is being filmed. Um, so that's interesting. Um, Can I, I get, actually just jump in here real please, quick please. Uh, while we're talking about the Matt Ben dichotomy? Sure. I have a theory that Matt and Ben is like the male equivalent of Jackie Marilyn. Oh, I love this. Yes. Ooh. Where you like, you know, you 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 pick one. Granted, sure. you know, I as a woman, I have a little bit of Jackie and a little bit of Marilyn inside <laughs> of me. Of course. But um I I always thought Ben had more of the reputation as the bad boy, as sure. you said, and uh that's what kind of uh I no, I like kind of drew me to him. I, I but isn't that, <laughs> that I mean, I don't know, isn't that isn't that kind of part of it? Like he you know, he I, I think it's what makes um and we'll get to it as we dive in, but like his performance in Hollywoodland as uh George Reeves, like I what I really like about that is because I feel like it just capitalizes on like, oh he Seems kind of like a dick and a little bit of a cad, but shit, he's really charming and mm-hmm. like, but there's this sadness like that's like right in there. Like it just feels like all the things uh, that 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 are kind of in in the mix with with somebody like him. But yeah, like as it relates to Matt Damon, I think um, I think that part of it I. And this is semi-related, but I I think about this with Affleck's earlier career and how we perceived him, at least in that initial Damon Affleck run, right? And like how he was the dumb one. And it's like, okay, so he was so good at playing second fiddle to Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting that we just assumed that that's what it was, right? Like I was thinking of something similar about- Well, doesn't Bradley Cooper, hasn't he said that about his own career, right? Do you ever see that where Bradley Cooper talks Mm. about how- when he played Will Tippin in Alias, he would go into auditions and everyone would be like, ah, Bradley Cooper, he's just like a little bit too nice for this right, role. Right, right. Like the, what, and the other he, person. And then I... he does The Hangover and he's yeah. a total dick. And then he goes into auditions and they're like, or not The Hangover, sorry, uh, Wedding Crashers, rather. Yeah. And and he goes into auditions and like, isn't Bradley kind of a dickhead, right? Like Bradley yeah. Cooper said, like that does can follow you in, cer- in certain circumstances. Sure. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it. Uh, Minor tangent, but I was thinking about it in regards to Keanu Reeves. I was rewatching uh, the first Bill and Ted over the weekend, and I just remarked to like the friends of mine. We were watching it together, and I was like, 
guys, you got to stop and think like Keanu's so good in this movie that we thought he was a fucking idiot for like four decades. Well, yeah. like, don't even get me and, started. And I kind I, of feel that way yeah. about that. I kind of feel that way about Ben Affleck a little bit. That, that, and it's, and no, it sort yeah. of goes back to like the, the Ethan Hawke of it all that we talk about sometimes where Hawke has that quote about like people think that when they watch me in like the before movies or whatever, I'm playing myself. And like to me, that's a compliment because that means they think that that's the way I really am. And I kind of feel that way with Affleck. It's like there's this thing where particularly when you watch that run of movies and we'll talk about some of them, but this thing of, you know, we just perceived him to be a certain way. And I, that's got to be in a, a, at least a little bit of a compliment, right? Like, I mean, well, he's, even, so, yeah, go ahead, he's so good at playing a dick. Yeah. I mean, like, better than the alternative. He's so good. Yeah. Like, I think he's great in Mallrats. In his his brief role as uh, an like a shithead actor in Shakespeare and oh Love. Oh my god, I was just gonna He's say this. Incredible. That, yeah, that performance well, is that, off the chain. <laughs> but that performance, to your point, Connor, that performance it comes right after Goodwill. It's the next year. That wins Best Picture, and it's a it's a purposefully ridiculous performance in a comedy. But I think it like reinforces that. Oh, Ben Affleck's a dumb, dumb thing because it's like he plays the shitty actor and the accent's not great, but it's almost intentionally not great. Right. It's like very it's a very mannered, you know, broad performance. Mm -hmm. And I love that movie. I mean, that's truly one of my favorite movies. And he is so funny in that movie. But I think it weirdly reinforces what we're talking about. Um, I'll use this as a segue quickly to talk about the four movies we're going to focus on, because the first one comes out right after. So like we said, basically. They win the Oscar for Google Hunting for original screenplay, and Matt Damon kind of becomes prestige Matt. And then, you know, Ben Affleck is Armageddon Ben. He's in these bigger movies. And he kind of does what I feel like most agents, at least back then, would advise you do, which is make a rom-com with a bigger movie star than you, right? So he makes uh, our first movie. He makes Forces of Nature in 1999 with Sandra Bullock, who at that point was kind of, you know— Still riding high off of speed, you know, had hope floats, had practical magic, maybe not huge hits, but she's still very prevalent, right? She's right around the corner from Miss Congeniality. So she's right in the kind of her big time rom-com movie star. While while You Were Sleeping had just come out in 95, right? So it's all happening. Um, he pairs up with her for Forces of Nature. The next year, he pairs up with his Shakespeare in Love co-star, who I think they briefly dated. <gasps> oh, oh, they, they did, right? They did. In yes. The, so in bounce, keep, keep going, but I in yeah, bounce in two thousand, yeah. just the next year after. Then um, he is in <laughs> he's in Pearl Harbor, which I almost wish we could talk about because I have such a weird deep i mean connor knows this i have such a weird deep history with pearl harbor and i'm a i'm a avowed uh josh hartnett apologist so sadly we won't be talking about that but you mean we can pro- touch on we it can touch I've, on I've never seen it oh i what? know that that's blasphemous oh for me to admit i mean i feel like you and impre- i feel like you would lo- i feel like I feel like you would watch it and maybe love Probably. it. Probably. I'm sure I'd get a lot out of it. And also, when you call yourself a Josh Hartnett apologist, I don't think there's much to apologize well, no, for. Neither yeah. do I. No, I mean, I, I yeah. well, I mean, do you mean because Hollywood you don't like, maybe, you don't like but... him? Or... No, because you... he's he's a yeah. handsome guy. Yeah, pretty, good you know, a good actor. Yeah. You know. No, yeah. good. Okay. So we're on the same page. I totally yeah. agree. And then so O2, he makes uh, Changing Lanes, our third movie. And then mm-hmm. literally right after that, right, it's it's O2, you have Changing Lanes and Some of All Fears, which are both hits. 
And that's the end of the first wave, like we talked about. Because what happens is he he does Daredevil. He does Geely. He Ooh. does Surviving Christmas. We talked about Surviving Christmas on our little Oof. holiday episode. Um, yep. He does – I forgot one. He does Paycheck, the John Woo movie. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of ends for two years, right? He makes a Mike Binder movie that nobody really saw called Man About Town. Doesn't really get a release. And then in 06, Man our About final, Town sounds like a fake movie. It, it, it sounds like a movie that would be I've in I've seen like, it. It's not a great movie. Um, but, yeah, it got lost in the mix. Um and then in 06, in the fall of 06, he makes Hollywood Land, and that's kind of the comeback, right? That's kind of like, oh, Ben Affleck, he's, he's playing a perform, he's playing a role that reflects upon his own career. And like you said, Connor, crazy enough, it reflects now even more on his career because right, it was like he prophetic. played Batman. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So starting with Forces of Nature, uh, I, will, I will defer to either one of you guys to talk about this movie <laughs> and just describe this is the most 1999 movie ever made this is um take it away okay okay so ben affleck is about to get married to uh oh my god who plays this more 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 tierney from er (laughs) and um she who's lovely i think in this movie yes but sorry keep going uh they're about to get married um he is in New York, but she is in Savannah with her rich parents and preparing for the impending wedding. Ben Affleck is terrified of flying. Interesting, uh, considering the movie we'll talk about next. Bounce. Seriously, my uh, God. So true. But, uh, ben Affleck's terrified of flying. The plane that he's on um, has a uh, what I would refer to as a Sully-type incident. <laughs> Where um, uh, geese fly into the engine outside of the airport and the plane kind of crashes as soon as it takes off. And uh, Ben has to figure out how to get to Savannah for his wedding without being able to fly there. Uh, His seatmate on the flight is Sandra Bullock playing against type a bit as like a mess like she's always kind of like adorably a mess right but in forces of nature she's like oh she's like a real mess mess, mess. Yeah, yeah she's like yeah yeah uh and it's, it feels almost like she's trying to play a like what would maybe seem at the time i mean i feel like now it plays a little like manic pixie yeah, dream girl like manic pixie dream girl but like with like a fentanyl problem or yeah, something. right right like yeah she's... with like a, a you know an abusive ex or something you know what yeah. i mean that's kind yeah. of the, is, yeah, yeah. yeah just and uh you know so ben and San- sandy join forces to get to savannah because she's trying to uh what is she trying to do she's trying to close her bagel store <laughs> That she she's opened. yeah she opened um she opened a shop with her husband and wants to try and close it so that he cannot basically like capitalize off of it right. and like reap the benefits right. of it you know normal um, 1999 stuff yeah yeah it's yeah. so it's such a strange do you detail rem- do you yeah. remember in 1999 how that was happening all the time the bagel stuff that was just such a crazy time you know <laughs> yeah everyone everyone and their mother had a bagel store yeah um, the, ba- the great bagel yeah, shop people, people uh, pandemic forget, that was like yeah uh but ben and sandy both trying to get to savannah both do a sort of planes trains and automobiles type of adventure 
they go to jail. They end up as part of a tour group of senior citizens looking at condos, condos in Miami. Yeah. Um, and the whole time while Ben is trying to get back to his fiance and get married, he is having cold feet as he begins to fall under the spell of Sandra Bullock's energy. <laughs> I guess well, is what well, you would call it. Well, uh, well recaps. That, that, yeah, is, no, that, that is what happens. I mean, I, that's, yeah, that's basically it. I, I mean, the planes, trains is, is the great thing to bring up because like that, and even in like just the, I mean, the limited research I did, like that came up a couple times. Like that was part of their like, pitch for the movie was like it was like if planes if it's like if planes trains was a was a rom-com right but we call it a rom-com we call this movie a romantic comedy i don't think it's funny at, at all. all yeah it's 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 like a it's yeah i i well, the funniest thing about it is that poster, right? Like that, I, I, I remember, I yeah. remember that cover so vividly. I'm, where it's like, I'm, I'm looking at it. It's a Canton I'm looking angle, at it right now, and she's, she's like, just leaning into him. He's right, falling back. There's right. some forces you, you at play. Feel, you feel the wind. Yes, you feel the Sandra gravity Bullock and the is wind a hurricane. And the, yeah. She is well, Hurricane Sandy heading straight for <laughs> so true. Ben Affleck. But I, I also love that poster because it's that thing that I like where it seems from their expressions, they both know why they got into this movie. You know what I mean? Like they have mm -hmm. this knowing look as they're looking at each other, like, eh, we're just doing one of these. You know what I mean? Like it feels right. very kind of knowing, which I appreciate. Um, I mean, what'd you guys think of this movie? Connor, what'd you, what'd you think? What'd you I, think of forces of nature? I didn't love it. I wanted to kind of actually, like I was going into it and I, I was like ready for it, you know, like, Ooh, like a, I was ready right. for like a dated pre-millennium, rom-com and like so when it kicks off like all the stylistic flourishes all the, that insanity the opening credits alone like i would and just all the needle drops like i was like cool this is the movie i expected i just like i don't know i like i wanted to be it, what's weird is i wanted a rom-com with the ben affleck and sandra bullock that i love right mm -hmm. and it's both of them playing or at least attempting to play against type and like n i don't think either of them are very good no at it. ben's playing like a total wet blanket right which like he's <laughs> he's a little he's just i maybe charming's not even the word but like he's just like too handsome to like be like a dweeb right yeah and like frankly like he and steve zahn should switch places like, yeah, like Steve Zahn basically plays his like best, you know, his like spunky best friend who who's like, don't do it. Right. Like, which like, or I'll he's say like this the Vince Vaughn from old school uh, character. You know, yeah, I mean? like, yeah. And like, uh -huh. look, that's like that is like such a pervasive thing in all of these kinds of movies with this sort of setup. But I like like, look, I got a lot. Of, I mean, Dan, you're one of them. I got a lot of friends who I've seen married off. I have a lot of brothers that I've seen married off. I am in the in the in the throes of doing that. I've never seen a groomsman or best man who like behaves that way. Like it, who's who's like, don't do it, man. It's terrible. Like, well, I just I, I feel like I've never actively encountered that I, person. So, man, I forgot the ring, bro. Right. It's like <laughs> he is a horrible best man. So I, like, he is I the have, worst. I have encountered in my time a best man like that. But the difference is 
there is no acceptance of that type of person, right? Like if someone right, is like, acting just like, like no, that, dude, all yeah, the like, other groomsmen or what have you will be like, dude, knock it off. Stop. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. so that's, that's where it becomes a very big movie type of trope where it's like yeah. this, we're all agreeing on this world we live in. That is not our world. Like this is right, a right. different rom-com world or whatever. Yeah. I, and I guess that's kind of part of it. Not that I wasn't like game for that whole thing of the movie. Like, I, you know, huge swaths of the movie are, are fantastical in that regard. But it, I think I would have been more sold on that if they had just, each played it a little more straightforward. Like if she was just fun and charming and if he was like nice, like, you know, like, I mean the tradition, what, what feels like the Ben Affleck thing of you're better than you think you are. Mm -hmm. That feels like the Ben Affleck trope. That feels like his like neutral, right. Is like playing the cad who's like a little bit of a dick, but deep down he's like kind of nice. Like, and I feel like if I had seen them in that mode, instead um it, i think the movie would have been a little bit more enjoyable i am glad i mean are we, are we we're just gonna go ahead and spoil it right like, yeah, yeah okay. i am glad they don't get together same at the God, end of the movie it made sense because i because i and i've talked about this so i won't go into it but i've talked about this on the podcast before like the reason I like don't, I've come to not like movies like Serendipity is that like the other people involved that they're leaving behind seem OK. Right. Like so like I actually well, hang they, on. I don't think John Corbett seemed OK. No, in no. But, but, but Bridget, like, poor Bridget Moynihan. It seems lovely in Serendipity. <laughs> in real right? life and in that movie. It got oh. screwed over. And and with with this, I I actually liked Maura Tierney the most in the movie because she felt the most real. Like there were things they peppered in there where you're like, oh, she seems like maybe she'd kind of yeah, be. Yeah, no, she's a, she's a she's a lovely gal. Yeah, but she also seemed that's yeah, that's exactly my point. Like she, they're little like they're little, and I, I hate that I'm about to use this word, but it's the only one that's com currently coming to mind. So forgive me, but they're like little prickly bits that you're like, ooh, I could see maybe why like maybe they're rushing into it or he that this isn't the woman he should be with or whatever just like little ways she like reacts to her parents or whatever mm -hmm. but by and large she seems great she seems like even-headed totally cool like really nice you know and um and so i'm glad they get together in the end because don't it get just, together I, no no i'm or, sorry i'm glad he gets together yeah. with more oh, yes. like, yeah i'm glad i'm glad he goes through with it yeah. that was definitely because if i think of the movie had gone the other way i would have like been fully against this movie what's funny is this same year he's in on on he's in an ensemble ben affleck is in an ensemble type of rom-com that's better which is called 200 cigarettes right which could also be oh, like yeah. a b-side of, of a sort right so yeah. It Don't is just, go past B. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Forces of Nature is kind of the bigger studio release, obviously, and, you know, has Sandra Bullock and everything. So, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this movie. It was a rewatch for me uh, watching this. And I actually watched it uh, about a month ago randomly, I think, because it was on a streaming service. And it was one of those things where, yeah, similarly, Marie, to your point, I was surprised how it almost feels like the movie doesn't even attempt that many jokes, right? It, it, I would not be surprised if they finagled with it a bit in the editing because it mm -hmm. feels like uh, an amalgamation of a couple different movies, kind of, right? To the point where you go like, oh, I wonder if once it was happening, 
everybody involved kind of decided they were going to go a little bit more down the middle because like you said like sandy's playing it a little bit more serious than you that like than that cover that movie poster would have you think right you know what i mean and it does leave you kind of a little even up to the ending which i think i do appreciate the ending but it feels like the ending of a different movie right where you go like okay this got real a little you know can i mention one thing about the ending that i was just like that's insane like i mean there are a few things in this movie that Mm -hmm. are insane yes but like okay so the whole you know, the movie's very on the nose with its metaphors. There's basically a hurricane coming throughout the course of the movie that's slowly also interrupting their wedding plans, basically. But they choose to have the wedding anyway. And like the climax of the movie is him finally getting there. He's late to it. Right. Obviously, finally getting there and like everything's like blowing around and like umbrellas and shit are like getting toppled like over major like sodom and gomorrah yeah no it's i mean you know it's like it's a it's a hurricane it's a hurricane right so it's it's it it feels real in that regard but what doesn't feel real is like no human and i don't care how much they're paying for the wedding no human in their right mind would like set all that shit up they would just be like oh okay i guess we'll have to figure something else out yeah but like he arrives and it's a fully decked out wedding that is just getting demolished the bridesmaids are going to get like hit with falling tree debris like like you're having very dangerous yeah like you're having a wedding in savannah in hurricane season and you don't have a rain plan are you out of your mind um did you yeah did you like this movie uh no, I okay. didn't. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> like you, I thought I was going to like it. Yeah. Uh, during the first scene, the first scene of this movie is Ben Affleck at like his bachelor party being like lifted, like mosh pit style amongst yep. like other drunk men in suits and the, exotic dancers. The bookend and, VO comes in and yeah, he's like, I'm and Ben I'm, Affleck. And I'm like, great. This is how I like to see my Ben. Yeah. This is perfect. Yep. Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting about this movie um, and I think to its detriment is uh, the director, Bronwyn Hughes, mm-hmm. who immediately when the movie started, I was like, God, this movie reminds me of something. Who directed it? I saw it was her. She was the director of Harriet the Spy, <laughs> a very formative film for me. Uh, but for for all a, of us. I mean, yeah. yeah. I had a spy journal. Did you guys we, have a spy, I had a spy journal? journal. Did, we all have, did we all have the orange VHS tape? Of course. Yes, we did. I, think it, I mean, to be fair, I think it only came yeah. in orange. So but, if you had it on VHS. But that oh, is right. a, the, the same sort of like frenetic, like camera movements, like super handheld, lots of like crazy edits like it, lots of the cameras constantly in motion the opening um, graphics make a lot of sense too yeah, actually but yeah also tonally harriet the spy is like really it's a really sad film yeah there are a lot of really sad parts in, of the, the children's movie like you know yeah but i wouldn't say that that would be the she would be the best director to direct a Sandra Bullock romantic well, comedy. And it's funny because the movie she makes after this uh, is called uh, Stander, which I've actually seen. And Tom Jane plays. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah. Tom Jane plays Andre Stander, who was a South African police officer who became a bank robber. And I don't, I don't think it did much business, but it was kind of a well-regarded indie thriller movie. And so it's funny. She, those first three movies, I mean, are very... I mean, talk about eclectic. You know what I mean? It's just a yeah. very kind of strange three movies. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I think she's she's really an interesting filmmaker and she has like a very specific voice to the point where like again i had only seen one of her movies but immediately i like recognized her style as soon as i started watching yeah that's interesting uh, this one but it's just seemed like a bad match of subject and filmmaker and i i mean i'm just looking at her imdb i mean it feels like i feel like like a lot of directors uh, like her who tackle these things if you haven't heard from in a while it's just because they she's been directing tv they just yeah. you know and like what you know some good stuff she's she's popped up on uh, uh i mean who could forget the mysteries of laura you know deborah messing <laughs> more most recently she's landed on some episodes of uh better call saul and walking dead so she's you know she's she's working yeah. good for her um, um, what is there anything else to say about forces of nature? There wasn't anything else. I mean, his name is Ben. I just oh, so I couldn't yeah. help but just think like, oh, did they? Did they just I, like was it something else in the script? And they were like, it's Ben, it's fine. Um, and then oh, he says the phrase strip dancing. Can we <laughs> talk about that? So I we're, I'm sitting there watching it, uh, and he like they find themselves in need of a quick hunk of cash and they go into a gay strip club it is mm-hmm. they don't know it's oh a, my he, he god doesn't know. i forgot yeah this whole this scene, scene this whole scene is a toughie um but he they go in and because she you she reveals earlier in the movie that she used to be a stripper mm-hmm. at, at one point to make money so she was her it was her idea to be like okay like we'll go into this bar and i'll just i'll do a little dance and i'll see if i can drum up like the cash that we need or whatever right so they go in and in a turn of events it's uh, a gay club and they they really would be as she puts it more interested in watching him get up there right and so he does and it's a scene and uh, it's, a scene. it's a scene that happens yeah and they make their money and but he he leading up to that scene right outside when she's like oh we're going there and i'll just do a little dance and he says he's like what we're you're gonna you're gonna go strip dancing and it's like what what like what is that phrase like i mean it's just and granted maybe that's like a deliberate thing because he's like a dork yeah supposed to be a dork and it's fine but it is just it's almost too much where it's like nope just it it's yeah, say, yeah it's right, just stripping. Exactly. like it's fine you like, know what's funny I, though like, i i i think i mentioned on this podcast you know when friends was still on netflix me and kelly would, would just like put it on you know like most of america or whatever the gay panic jokes like during this time uh, oh, it's it, a bit, yeah. Like, to rewatch like the content from back in the late nineties or what have you, it is, it, it it's it's so strange how prevalent it is, right? Like every episode of Friends, there is at least a couple of jokes in which like Chandler is confused as being whatever, and he, and the like the fear that is exuded in the you know in the overtop reactions and whatnot. Is so you're just like wow. This was like a people really thought this was a home run of a joke premise. Well, you know what I mean? So, like, so like, much so that Matthew Perry made a whole movie about it called Three to Tango. Right, that's right, what right. that movie's about. Yeah, it's literally it's him and Nev Campbell and is Dylan, it Dylan McDermott? McDermott. Yeah, I think. yeah. 
or Dermot Mulroney? No, Which one? It's uh, no, Dylan it's, Dylan, it's definitely Dylan McDermott. But basically, he's like in love with Nev Campbell. As we so all were. I mean, you know. So to spend more time with her, he pretends she misconstrues him as gay. And he realizes that it's a way for him to be able to spend more time with her without like her boyfriend, Dylan McDermott, who I think is also his boss, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, without him sort of getting jealous or whatever. So he has to. Matthew Perry has to pretend to be gay and so Oliver Platt is his gay friend who like helps him and it it's a whole it's a whole movie built around an extension of 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 like this kind of shit. Um Does anyone want to guess how much Forces of Nature uh was cost to make? Um uh, in 99 not adjusted, right? Like not. No, yeah. What the the reported budget? As I'm looking at Wikipedia, what it was. Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, fifty three million dollars. Okay, Connor, you want to take a shot? Um, I'm gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna say sixty. Seventy five million dollars. I guess. Where well, did the money go? So dreams. This is a DreamWorks movie, and this, if you sure. if you remember, this is. Only years in a DreamWorks, so uh-huh. they are spending the money, right? They sure. are. They're really, they're really plugging it up. Um, I will say the, and I'm not saying this as a joke I mean, or Sandy a bit. Like the forces 15, of nature right? effects, those All sequences are, are like, you know, for '99, they're like well put yeah, together. Yeah, so like we're, you're marking like 30 million for the wind, <laughs> right, right? For the hail and the wind, and the, for the wind. Yeah, no. yeah. Does he? I get, and this might be a dumb question. Do you think Affleck's quote goes up because he won an Oscar, even though it was just for screenwriting? Oh, yes. sure. sure. You think sure, so? Sure, sure. Just because yeah. you're still saying Academy Award winner Ben Affleck and it doesn't matter. Well, and also don't forget, I mean, I mean, look, we talk about this on this podcast a lot, right? This is a very traditional, like what Ben Affleck did is very traditional for actors at that time, right? Like he got the Oscar, he got the attention. He has a supporting performance in Go Hunting. And he parlays that into a huge blockbuster, can't miss, with huge movie star Bruce Willis that does hit. He's lucky enough to then support in the Best Picture winner that same year, right? So it's like everything he's doing, and I'll use this as a segue into the next movie, totally makes sense in the world of Hollywood, right? Like he makes the rom-com. It makes 93 worldwide, costs 75, so it loses some money, right, when all said and done. But it's not like a fiasco or anything, right? right. Mm-hmm. And then – he parlays that into kind of a more quote unquote serious movie with another very, like we said, another very famous actress at the time, Gwyneth Paltrow, in this movie called Bounce, right? From 2000, directed by Don Ruse. Now, let me just say, Bounce, to watch this movie 20 years later, in this, and it, you know, post and pre 9 11 is talked about all the time, but sweet. Christ, is there not a movie that exists that is more pre 9-11? Like, to watch this movie, you were just like, was it like that? Like, you literally go like, like, I spent the whole movie watching it with Kelly, just turning to her and being like, oh my God, like this (laughs) thing, this thing. Like, there, I mean, we joked about Forces of Nature being such a 1999 movie, maybe a little bit but compared to balance it's not even close like this movie is so in the year it was made maybe you know halfway not you know of its own doing obviously given you know outside forces uh, you know forces of nature if you will nature mm-hmm. yeah, right, but, um, indeed. it's just a weird movie to watch i will say this as we jump into it and i can talk about the plot 
I actually kind of like this more than I thought I would. Um, Me too. So, I really liked Bounce. Yeah. So, okay. So the premise, it's pretty simple kind of, and then it gets more complicated. But basically, um, Buddy Amaral, uh, which is a whole name, uh, that's Ben Affleck's name in the movie. And that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered because I remembered it was ridiculous yeah. and I couldn't he, think of it. He, he's an ad guy who like runs like a boutique uh, firm in L.A., and he's in Chicago, and he has just won the business of the airline that he is flying back to L.A. on, right? Like I think Called it's in, Infinity, Infinity Air. Yes, which yeah, this movie <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, not a yeah, not not a uh, not a soft hand of this movie. Anyway, so he is. The flights are getting delayed. They're in Chicago. Um, he's waiting. He's got this little flirty relationship with the lovely Jennifer Grey, who's works for Infinity. Um, Post nose job. Post nose yes. job. Yeah. Though she looked, she looks great. I always wondered the nose job thing. I, I mean, that's the thing with Jennifer Grey. It's right. the same thing with like Renee Zellweger. Mm. It's like it. She got good work done. It's just that she just didn't. She doesn't she look like Jennifer Grey. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's in the airport. He he has time to kill. He goes to a bar. He he strikes up a conversation with. Uh, should have been a big famous movie star, Natasha Hendricks. We talked about her in the John Carpenter because she's in Ghosts of Mars a couple yep. years after this. Anyway, she's talking. He's talking to Natasha Hendridge, and they meet this guy, uh, Tony Goldwyn, who you know from Ghost, you know from Scandal, right? He's been around forever. He is this. You know from The Last Samurai, bro. Director of The Last Kiss, starring Zach Braff and Rachel Bilson. Never forget. Is he really? Yep. Tony, Tony Goldwyn, baby. Direct? Yes, sir. I did sir. not know that. Wow. I did not know that either. Written, written by Paul Haggis. Anyway. Um, oh. <laughs> wow. Shout, shout out to before we started recording the podcast. <laughs> so anyway. He, People are like, what the fuck? Yeah, what were they talking, talking about? Paul Haggis. Haggis there, yeah, they were talking about the next three days before the podcast started. <laughs> Welcome to the new episode of Haggis Chat. <laughs> so... So anyway, they all chatting, they're they're talking, blah, blah, blah. And you learn that Tony Goldwyn had a play, whatever. He's going home. He's got a wife, kids, what have you. And he's going to miss his flight. He's got to fly the next day. His wife's chewing him out about it. This is Tony Goldwyn's character. So not out of the goodness of his heart, but because he wants to score with Natasha Hendridge, Ben Affleck basically gives Tony Goldwyn his ticket. And in order to do so, he basically forces coerces jennifer gray to let tony goldwyn go on the flight under his name okay and then he spends the night in chicago now of course what happens is that plane crashes so the rest of the movie becomes ben affleck's character goes into a spiral out of survivor's guilt and it's out it involves alcoholism and a bunch of other stuff and what have you and he ends up finding locating tony goldwyn's uh wife and her family and tries to help her out with a real estate deal for his firm's new place, whatever. And of course, in the process, process ends up falling in love with lovely Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays uh, the widow. And then it becomes this whole other thing, which I guess we can spoil as we go on. But that's the basic premise. That's like the very high concept premise of the movie. Um, and it's ridiculous, but in truth, and we t I feel like we talk about this also on this podcast a lot, but obviously these are the movies we cover. It made me nostalgic for movies like this mm -hmm. because it's so – it's the, the moral shit in it is so con conflated and it's so heavy-handed, but it is about something. Whereas like 
you know, so much of what we deal with nowadays on the big screen, it just, it does feel so much more shallow. So it's like, and I, I actually admired Ben Affleck's taking this role because he's really unlikable. Like, so, uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Go, go, right, go, go ahead. I actually, you go ahead. Marie. I actually, I actually thought his character was fascinating. No, yeah. Okay. Because, so there's one, there's one detail in his, in his arc with regards to seeking out Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, is that he is now in AA. Right. And he has to apologize or make make amends. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he it's, did you mention the Clio thing, Dan? Oh, no. No, I didn't. He not. Has, so yeah. he basically has this, that, you know, he works uh, for an ad agency. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh. No, sorry. Do you I'm, want to really, take this? I'm really excited about this movie. No, no, no. It's fine. Do you want? Do you want to take this? Can I? Yeah, go, go, go. Okay, so, <laughs> so no, Ben Affleck. Not only does he have survivor's guilt over not dying in this plane crash, uh, it's compounded by the fact that oh, yeah, his company, through right, his yeah. through <laughs> yeah. his job as the like the creative director for this ad agency he has to create the ad campaign that's supposed to save face for the airline yeah and like kind of uh do damage control mm -hmm. and like thoughts and prayers to the victims right it's like a it's almost like the ad they give you like a quick right. taste of the ad campaign and it's sort of this like in memoriam type thing yeah, yeah. so that really just causes him to go off the deep end. He has a Bradley Cooper and a Star is Born type award show moment. So true. He doesn't piss himself, but he humiliates himself in front of Jeff Garland, uh, who plays the yeah. random Clio Award presenter. Uh, but in his journey to, uh, to get sober, he um, decides to go make amends to Gwyneth Paltrow. So when he was, the thing that I liked was that his character is not maliciously trying to insert himself in this woman's life. Right. He he's he ends up getting kind of sidelined by her assumptions about why he was there. So he kind of goes because she is a real estate agent. So she right. thought he was there to ask about real estate and he plays along and yeah. then he ends up kind of falling into this lie that he is just a random guy who happened upon her versus I specifically sought you out right? because I kind of inadvertently caused your husband. Right. Like death. there's not, um, it's, it's different than say, um, and actually, I'm just if you uh, if you the listener haven't seen the town, I'm going to spoil mm. that a hair, mm -hmm. I guess. Not really, because it's sort of very it's, similar. It's in the, the trailer, town. really. But it reminded me of the town a lot where like it's it's this thing of like Ben Affleck is responsible for a woman's trauma mm -hmm. and then engages in a romantic relationship with said woman while lying to her about it. Right. Like so. And it's to your point, it's a really good distinction, though, because like I kept I kept comparing the two because I was just like, oh, it's like the same thing. But it's not. And you're right, because in the town, for instance, he makes the choice. Right. Like he like knows that that is the woman 
that they why does he like i just rewatched the town preparing for this podcast yeah it's is it just because he thinks she's hot yeah honestly okay it's a great question and it's the beauty of making a good movie where it doesn't make any sense but mm-hmm. the movie like gets over it right like because I, I would agree i the, think the reason is much like pretty entertaining the reason is like we got to keep her close to see if she'll go to the cops right where you go like well, if you got Jeremy Renner in your corner, wouldn't he just kill her? Right, which obviously they try right. to establish in the movie. Right. But I guess the movie tries to imply that like he does have some sort of like feeling that he does want to somehow protect her type thing. Or protect her, but I think he's also interested in her as someone who uh lives in the town but is also above it. Right. And I think his character in the town is someone who is actively striving to leave Rise the town behind sure he's also on a journey of sobriety in the town um oh my god anyway. so tr- that's right it's, all these yeah. movies these are, these are really interesting companion films yeah you could put them in a double feature well, yeah. and, for sure. and then so just to so just to jump off marie your point right and we'll keep talking about this something we were emailing about as well you know with the way back out it obviously comes back into the and also with him getting sober again in real life and being open about it you know and, and whatnot and you know now being divorced oh, from like Jennifer a, Gardner like and everything, and... he sorry, keep going. He has tackled versions of that subject matter in almost every one of these movies, um, except for Forces of Nature. Right? He in Bounce, he like you said, Marie. He's an AA. Um, you know, he has trouble with alcohol. In Hollywoodland, he has obviously trouble with it. It's not, uh, you know, it's not. It's kind of more. You know, it's not addressed, but it's a pervasive part of the whole character. And much, it's like in, intrinsically, intrinsically linked to yeah, like his much general like, depression. Right. He's, self, he's clearly self-medicating. Right. Yeah. Much like George Reeves life. did, you know, as is now known in real life, right? The actor. And um, and then our final movie, or no, I'm sorry. And then Changing Lanes, it's not necessarily him, but the Sam Jackson character is also an AA, right? In that movie. So there mm-hmm. are these versions in all these movies and so yeah to your point and the town obviously being yet another one where it's like when he dives into these characters in a lot of cases that addiction is utilized as kind of a you know kind of a dramatic thing so in this movie it's obviously the most uh straightforward um and it's a good point like she ultimately asks him out on the date right yeah. in the movie which i think is important of course and he kind of tries to get out of it and then feels bad and like i said like th- this is one of these tricky scripts that i guess now netflix would make right with like noah centineo right or something i don't know you know what i mean like but it's not a movie you know, and I guess the way back is the closest you get to that these days where, you know, you have the sports element maybe is kind of the the thing that pushes it over the edge. But that all is interesting. Gwyneth Paltrow is a brunette in this movie, which is an interesting choice. They, I, they really try and make her frumpy. They really. And it like doesn't work. She's, got, I mean, she's, got, a, yeah. she's got a frumpy, very not Los Angeles name, Abby Janello, which I love. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very. Um, New York. I mean, she married it's, into Janello, to be fair. It's very Long her. Island, but they're like, yeah. let's film it in LA. So uh, why not? Yeah. Let's do it in LA. Um, the, she also. <clears throat> she recommended him for the role. So they had dated famously mm-hmm. and. Were, were no longer together by the time oh, they were making this movie. Oh, I thought movie. they did it after. Interesting. No, no, no. no. They were together doing Shakespeare in Love because yeah. she mentioned her in 
she mentioned him in her Oscar acceptance speech. Oh she, my There's gosh. also, and actually there is that great SNL monologue she has where she's doing the English accent and everyone's like, wait, is she English? And then he makes a cameo in it. And then she's like, oh, like, you know, hello, Ben, what are you doing? And he's like, you're not English. And she's like, no, of course I am. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, no. I, we do. We, he, and he's like, we, we, she's like, how would you know? And he's like, we we dated like it's a great little it's a really good little uh cameo and a good funny little snl thing but um but yeah they were no longer together by the time they made uh bounce but she recommended him for the role and i can't help but wonder if it's like how does that read where you're like Oh, this guy that I dated that that like is my ex. Like, oh, you need you need to play like a shitty dude who's also kind of nice. Like, yeah, Ben can do it. Well, she's she's spoken about their relationship uh, recently and said that you know it was very much like the kind of relationship you get in when you're younger, sure, and you're not too sure of yourself. And she said she learned a lot of lessons okay. in her relationship with Ben. Um, I think that, I mean. Purely, purely speculating sure, here. Yeah, I'm I sure, mean, that's what we do here. I'm it's sure fun. that some of the issues that have come to, to plague him throughout the rest of his career in terms of uh, substance abuse uh, might have played a role in the dissolution of their relationship. Sure. I mean, I uh, was going through all of these photos of them together, like paparazzi photos, award show photos. Um and he always looks like, like a mess. Like a little and glassy. She always and always is little... annoyed. Interesting. Like it's it, it's a relationship dynamic I kind of recognize. Sure. Uh, and so it makes sense. Like yeah. I think he's actually really well cast. No, I think in this role. I think he is too. Uh, another quick shout out I'll give to this movie is. <clears throat> Dan and I work a lot with, you know, people and advertising and stuff like that. And anytime advertising has come up in a lot of these B-sides, when it does, um, it just, you're always like, that's not what it's like. And to a certain degree, there are things in this movie where you're like, that's not exactly what it's like. But there was one moment, <laughs> there's one moment where I, seemingly one of the graphic designers or somebody comes to Ben Affleck with some boards and it's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He comes in. I loved it. He comes in with the boards. Ben Affleck just Great takes a moment. quick look at it. He they takes both, a quick look at it. Shit. And he goes, and he goes, he goes, yeah, whatever. It's but he's like, we're gonna have some trouble with the legal on the last board, but just send it to them anyway, and they can yeah. tell us it's wrong. And I have like <laughs> a thousand percent exact it's you know, like I've I've cut something together and give it to give it to a client and be like, hey, like we got questions about this. Does it matter? And they'll be like, eh, nah, we'll just let them tell us. It's like, whatever. And I, so that was a little thing that I like a thousand percent respected. No. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, to your point, it's, it is, it gets a lot right. I mean, for all the sweaty moments and you have like, you know, like the entire Johnny Galecki character is like yeah, such a yeah. problem. Cause the it, whole bathroom thing. Cause like, he just exists to be like, you have a problem that you need mm -hmm. to solve. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, okay, okay. Like when you're writing a screenplay, you have, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, he, he needs to be in the movie to some degree. But the way he's employed in the movie is kind of to a degree where you're like, well, it should bring it back to forces of nature. You're like, 
this feels like not in the real world. Whereas like obviously bounce, despite the concept is obviously more grounded and it's a more grounded performance and a much better performance by Ben Affleck. Funny enough. And we've brought this up briefly in our Harrison Ford episode comes out the year after random hearts, which is another, another movie where it's like another B side. I'm sure we'll get to when we do Harrison Ford again, where it's like, a plane crashes and a man and a woman realize that their their uh, husband and wife were having an affair with each other and they proceed to get into a romance. Like, what was happening right before 9-11 that people were like, these planes, man, like they go down and <laughs> yeah. drama happens afterwards. It's like that was the first thing that my boyfriend brought up when I was trying to explain to him the plot of Bounce. And right. he was like, and no, it's like, random. Oh, hearts. it's not the Harrison Ford movie with that British lady. And I was like, no. Like and no, Murray, you should no. have said you mean Kristen Scott Thomas put some respect on her name. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean she's got three of them for God's sake. Um, God. But I mean, that was a good show. Thank, thank you. And then like, so Alex D. Linz is oh. the kid. One of the Home kids. Alone Three is Alex D. Linz. Yep. Yes, yeah. Home Alone Three is Alex D. Linz. Max Keebles. Oh, big move! I was just going to say yeah. that Max Keebles' was, big move. And I isn't the so kid ex- from The Ring the other yes. kid? Yes. Yeah, okay. yes. Two of my favorite child actors <laughs> who no longer act. Right. I don't know what the little kid from The Ring is up to today, but well, I, think I did a deep dive on Alex D. Linz and uh, very successful. He's an urban planner. He Aww. went to Berkeley. He got oh. his like master's at UCLA. Linz, buddy. Congratulations, yeah. Alex. He's also a 31-year-old. Okay. Uh, he could Alex. be part of this podcast. We are the same age as Alex D. Linz. That that yeah. fucking, let's cancel the podcast. So fun I'm fact, who's the, who's the big fucking. sister in Home Alone 3? I think we all know this. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Really? She's yeah. the sister, yeah. For years, I thought that... Um, like Alan Cumming and Parker Posey were the two villains in that movie, but they're not. No. They're like two random people, but like it's like yeah, French Stewart. There's a right? character actor who's like the lead of the of the spies. There's like, but that's like some sort of like European seeming guy with like spiky black hair. Is it? And not, then like a like woman not, with like a severe bob. It's not yeah. Gorn Visnet, right? From ER. It, no, but it's like no. it's kind it's, of like him. It, the lead. The le- the le- it's because it's three of them in Home Alone three and they're like Russian spies or something like yeah. that, and the lead I feel like is a guy is like a character actor that is in other things and I can't think of his name. Um, um a couple of just fun facts I think about li- this movie, but actually earnestly, I think Linz is actually kind of it's like a good little performance in this movie. Yeah, well, that's what a, I was he gonna was a say. very good yeah. young actor. Yeah. yeah, and like he's playing this like flight simulator Which, uh, like, computer game. I actually thought that was a nice. Don't touch. let that kid play that game. Well, but don't I, let that kid play that game. But like, I, I, his fucking dad died in a fucking plane well, accident. Well, no, but he's obviously ago. it's clearly he's doing it for therapeutic reasons, right? I mean, right. You but know, he's, like, I don't know. I just love like it cuts to him playing the game, and the plane just goes fucking boom, and you're just like, what? Okay, maybe a different like you find a different outlet. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, so but... this this movie cost thirty five million. Uh, it grossed fifty three worldwide. Okay, um, it was f- it, cinematography by Robert Elswit, which is kind of interesting. Right, I saw that. Interesting. It's not a bad do... looking movie. No, no, it's not. Yeah, I think Gwyneth is okay in this movie. Um, I'm a big fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. Always have been. Love Me her in too. Shakespeare in Love. Love her in a lot of other stuff. Love um, her in Goop. 
This lover and girl, no, you exactly. do not. <laughs> um, it is funny. I was saying this to Kelly. Um, we, uh, one of the many things with this movie that's interesting to think about is the Gwyneth Paltrow element, which is like at this moment, she was like a impending America sweetheart, right? I mean, she won the Oscar for Shakespeare in Love. She was a movie star. And it's funny to think about now how she has this like totally different relationship in American pop culture as kind of this like love to hate her, hate to love her type of a person. Where like yeah. when when Bounce came out, she's playing the like essentially Sandra Bullocky role, right? Where she's like, like Sandra Bullock basically plays a role like this in Hope Floats, right? Where it's kind of like, right. mm -hmm. ah, Gwyneth, she's just trying to get by. We all love Gwyneth. She's just trying to get by, right? How how old is she when this movie came so out? She's a little she older than is, Affleck, I think. So I she think was she's born, like a year older. No, no, no. They're, they're, they both were born in 72. So they're both, oh, okay. they're both 47 right now. So she would have been, when they were filming it, she would have been, you know, 27, 26. 20, 28. Because yeah. watching it, I was like, she seemed a little young. Right. To me, you, to have children that two, age. Two, yeah. Two kids. I mean, maybe I, I maybe times have changed yeah. in the past twenty well, years. Goldwyn, like people Goldwyn, had kids younger, I guess. Goldwyn's about to be sixty, so he was he's also like twelve, thirteen years older. So I I liked uh I like that it's him in that little tiny role. Yeah, yeah. very like um, very likable actor. Yeah. Yeah, well, but it's I don't I don't think he is a likable actor. In this I movie, I thought I don't know. No, no, no. I think that's what I like. He's right, like playing right. against type in a way that you're like, oh, this sweet guy. Yeah, you like, mean in just general, seems, like yeah, like bad he, guy and ghost, the president scandal, it's, right? A little bit. It's very right. similar um to like something like uh I don't know, like uh like, like knives out, right? Where it's like Plummer is only in that movie for, you know, five minutes or whatever. Right. So he has to do so much work in this, you know, and similarly, Goldwyn has to do so much work in the span of like 10 minutes so that when when Gwyneth Paltrow talks about him, you get this like immediate sense of like. His presence looms large. Yeah. Over the whole film. There's also like a very interesting exchange that he and Ben have at the beginning of the movie when they're at the airport lounge, when they're talking about what each other does for a living. Yeah. And as someone who has also worked in advertising, uh, there's a bit of a sort of competitive chip on one's shoulder sort mm -hmm. of thing with Ben saying that he worked in advertising as a writer, but Tony Goldwyn is a writer, is a playwright. Yeah. And it's like he's kind of positioned as this really idealized guy. So yeah. it's not only not only does Gwyneth and the children kind of idealize him in a certain way, but Ben was also introduced to him in a way that. Right. He's like an idea that Ben yeah. is jealous of. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think. I, yeah. No, it's I think it's all pretty. Pretty effective. I think the only thing, frankly, that doesn't fly in that first in that first scene is like or first couple of scenes is later, you know, uh, Gwyneth mentions to 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 Ben like, oh, like he mentioned he met really nice people at the airport. And I'm like, no, Ben was a f I mean, like like by in the scene where we see Tony Goldwyn talking to her or leaving the message or whatnot. Uh, ben has not given him the ticket yet 
So mm-hmm. he hasn't done the nice thing. Right. And up until then, Ben's been a huge piece of shit. Yeah. Like there's no, like, there's no, like, I feel like if I was in that situation stuck with a delayed flight at a layover and I happen to talk with strangers and one of them was being that much of a prick to me, I would just walk to another table. Like, I feel like yeah. I would just like not engage. Um, there. Can I just quickly mention two things I really liked sure. about the film? Uh, number one. I thought the way that the plane crash itself was handled was yeah. really, really the, nice. Like the rumble and the cut yeah, and that's you don't, it. it yeah. As opposed to Forces of Nature, which, you know, spent $30 million on wind and airplane crashes, yeah. uh, you don't see the plane crash. No, it's a really tasteful. It's, it's a really nice, we know something's going to happen, the camera cuts out, and then the next we the next we hear of it is when Ben is at the airport hotel with Natasha Henstridge and he sees news media, yeah. sirens, police cars all outside, turns on the TV and realizes what happened. Like, I, I, it, I, I totally agree because it's, it's cut in a really nice way and in a way that I was mad I already knew, like knew the movie, right? Because it's like I, if you're like going in – I imagine if you're going in cold and you have no idea what the premise of the movie is, it's probably a pretty effective couple of minutes because you're like, because it's also Tony Goldwyn. So like you, it's, it's like really kind of good stunt casting in that regard. Cause you're like, Oh, this guy. Yeah. He's, even if you know that you're seeing some Ben Gwyneth romance, you're like, Oh, he's going to be the other man, like right. the jilted husband or whatever. And, uh, and watching that play out is, is super cool. There's also so much in the film itself about, um, about grief and how we respect the memory mm-hmm. of people who've passed away, and because Ben's job is literally to manufacture some bullshit from the airline about like respecting their yeah. the memory of these dead people, people. Yeah. and you know everything that Gwen is going through. And I think the movie does a really nice job of not sensationalizing a plane crash, of really making it about the emotional impact mm-hmm. of what just happened, and not like a super visual, you know. Yeah. Right, like it's not flight. No, I agree right. It's that. not flight. And like, even look, though, I, even I, though it really works in flight. Yeah, like I like the flight does it, it well. It would not but work it's, it's, in this it, movie. Exactly. Well, and it, and it touches it, right, but it doesn't go all the way where basically right. at the end of the movie what happens is, of bounce, right, is mm-hmm. um, the whole mechanism of Ben Affleck giving the seat away to Jennifer Grey, or uh, you know, through manipulating Jennifer, Jennifer Grey, Grey yeah. whatever it is, he is then forced to basically uh, go in front of a jury and in you know in civil court and whatnot and be like, "Is this what happened? Right? Did was it just a, a mistake? Was it just a kind of a clerical error or whatever it is? And it should have been your name, but it was it should have been his name, but it was your name, whatever." And he basically has to admit as part of his you know, becoming a good man, if you will, mm-hmm. right? That he did force Jennifer Grey to let Tony Goldwyn take a seat, right? Because even when I was watching it, I said to Kelly, I was like, when that happened at the beginning of the movie, I was like, could you do that? I was like, in 2000, like, could you go up yeah. to the woman and be like, hey, this guy's gonna, gonna uh, he's gonna, you know, take my thing. But obviously, no, you can't, because that's what the right. back half of the movie's about. I don't know that we needed... I mean, it becoming a courtroom drama for five minutes at the end, it was a little, 
I don't know. I mean, it felt like a like a bridge a little too far, but at the same time, I guess you do need to resolve that. So it's one of those things where and resolve it in a way where she can also be because she watches it on court TV, which like makes it almost feel even sweatier because you're like, well, she's dirt. She's like one of the victims, right? Yeah. Or, or the families of the victims. Like you could narratively just put her in the courtroom, right? Like I don't know. Like it, you don't. She doesn't have to be like watching it on TV or whatever. Did Did either of you go to Sundance this year? Dan yeah, did. I did. Did you see the movie Worth? Yeah, I did see the movie Worth. I did. Yes. Is it Is it good? Um, Can we... I I did not love it. I think I reviewed it for the film stage. I think I gave it something like a B minus or C plus. So okay. Worth for those listening is basically it's Michael Keane, Stanley Tucci, Amy Ryan. Um, and it's essentially about um, the after 9-11, um, it is about all the survivors and it's about the, I'm just looking it up. Sarah Cantor. It's like, oh, like the calculating the, the compensation. Yeah, it's right? like the yeah. court case that, you know, yeah. who do we so, hold responsible for the loss of life? What is it? Right. So Sarah what, Colangelo yeah. directed it, who you might know. She did a uh, little accident. She did the kindergarten teacher remake. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, yeah, it's about that. It's about who's responsible for, you know, you know, like the crash and the, you know, and basically, um, Michael Keaton plays Kenneth Feinberg. It's obviously uh, a true story. And Kenneth Feinberg was the lead attorney who ended up taking over this, where essentially they didn't want people to sue the airlines, right? Because right. the airlines were basically like, if everybody sues us, we're going to go bankrupt, right? That That's the, the premise right. of the movie. And so what the whole movie is about is how Feinberg and his team – had to basically put worth on the life of all of these people and how they did that. And, you know, it, it's, it's a September 11th victim compensation fund is what it's about. So it's an interesting right. movie. I didn't love it. It gets a, it's a little dry. It's a little confusing. Um, and there's definitely some things that leave you to be desired, but, but you get scenes of Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci acting like tete-a-tete which is like that's cool love it. kind that's really no worth nice. the price of admission so that alone is interesting so you know what they call that in cinema oh a, a keat tooch love it well done um <laughs> so yeah worth yeah that was at sundance it's gonna yeah. get it's gonna come out this year for sure um interesting movie but yeah it's it, to your point it this is like a very you know, microcosm version of that to some degree um, at the end here. And, um, I, you know, I like I said, I like this more than I remembered. I'd seen it many years ago. I, I, I came away liking it more than I thought I would, which the next movie, it went kind of mm. went the other way for me. So, mm. so if I can use it as a segue, Changing Lanes, our third movie, 2002, I have always said I loved, actually. It, you know, Roger Michelle directed it. Um, it's a similar type of a, like, high concept script. Um, ben Affleck and Sam Jackson. It's a very traditional two-hander in, a like, a kind of a corporate law thriller type of a way. And this one... By the end, I was like, oh, you know, there's some soft spots here. Like I where I kind of went into it being like, oh, yeah, this is the one I was excited to watch for this B-side. Right. I kind of came around being like, mm, I don't know. Connor, you want to you want to kind of give us the lowdown on this one uh, on changing so the basic the, the basic premise is um, uh, Ben Affleck plays a 
lawyer who at the start of the movie, we don't get all the details right away, but he's basically kind of caught up in uh, a somewhat scandal of of mishandling um, the transfer of an estate. Is that basically what it is mm-hmm. of a of this uh, super wealthy, deceased philanthropist? Right. Basically. And um, he and uh, his partners, one of whom is uh, is Sidney Pollack, who is his also plays his father in law and Richard Jenkins. um they essentially are tasked with proving that everything was done accordingly and they have all the proper documents and, and everything was kind of on the level. Um, so he's sort we're sort of kicked off with that on his end. And then simultaneously you have Samuel L. Jackson who uh, plays this man who has just uh, looked into, you know, has just essentially worked on purchasing a house in Queens so that his, uh, soon to be ex-wife i don't know if they're divorced no they're like estranged yeah yeah his estranged wife doesn't have to move away with his two boys uh because they've been having some problems clearly sort of uh, and as we mentioned earlier clearly sort of brought on by sam jackson's alcoholism um so we're introduced to all of this kind of very quickly in the first like 15 minutes or so and their two paths converge on the FDR mm-hmm. as they try to change lanes. Whoa! Baby. Ding, 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 now, ding. Now I will ding. say, but now a great tagline: "One wrong turn deserves another." I think is the tagline. Oh, okay, uh, come good, on, good. Come Hang on. on. And I can we confirm? I was actually trying to pay attention to this I'm as just I started sure I watching it right. Keep last going. night. It's Jackson's fault, right? No, no. I think no. it's I think it's deliberately difficult to I think they both are they kind cut of around fault, it because Jackson's like writing down things on like a yellow legal pad. That was that seat, was the thing that led me and to Affleck it. is off. Affleck is also on like rushing phone. to get to court yeah. and yeah. on his phone. Another thing. Just oh, he's on his phone. Right. Quick, I didn't quick catch pause that. here. Yeah. Um, very interesting the world that this the, the new york that this film exists sure. in. oh my god uh, i could talk about this for five in, years in yeah what new york universe would a high-powered lawyer like ben affleck be driving himself around right fair fair point i understand the entire plot of the film hinges on the yeah, fact that, that ben needs to be driving but i'm i'm watching it and i'm like there's no way that this guy would be like harried driving on the fb fdr trying to get to court like that's the biggest uh-uh. thing that hinders this movie more than one time is there's a lot that I'm like, I don't like, I feel like there's an easier way to just resolve. Like it almost feels, and this is O2, right? So it feels like the kind of movie that if it came out in like 85, right? Or the seventies or whatever, right? You'd be like, oh yeah, no, okay. This, I mean, this would all happen because it's like old New York and like it, uh, you know, no cell phones and whatever, but this is O2. Like there are cell phones mm-hmm. and like a lot of particularly Ben Affleck's side of the predicament can be resolved uh, simpler than this movie well, chooses to try I and do, resolve them. Yeah, but I mean, basically, the movie does try to address that, which I do. I did still appreciate, but anyway, keep going. The, basically, Ben Affleck goes to court, is asked to provide these uh, documents, right? 
on his way there, he gets in a car accident with Samuel L. Jackson, who is also on his way to court to basically fight for custody of, of his, his or kids. joint yeah. custody of, yeah, his, yeah. of his kids. Right. And they wind up getting in, in an accident at like a median on the FDR. And essentially, because they're both in a rush. Uh, Sam ben Jackson. Affleck, ben Affleck ben, writes Sam Jackson a blank check. A blank check. And he just kind of wants to get it over with. Yeah, and he's Sam like, look, Jackson's, like I'll buy you a new car straight up. Like, Yeah, Sam Jackson's car can't be driven anymore. And he's like, give me a ride. Like, I got to be somewhere too. And Ben Affleck's like, better luck next time. And he drives away. Right. right? And so he drives that's away. like the moment the movie hinges on. And he realizes in court that he left the folder um, that was one of the most important pieces of the documentation yes, that the he needed for them to pr- right. prove their, yeah, thank yeah. you. The power of appointment. Yeah. Um, he left it with Samuel L. Jackson because he took it out to write on and never, you know, and, and left, left it. That, right. Yeah. So Sam Jackson has the folder and then it becomes the judge essentially, which I feel like this is another thing like would not happen or maybe it would. I don't know. The judge was is basically in court at when he doesn't have the document. She's like, look, like your story seems like bullshit, but whatever. Go get the document. And if you get it to me by the end of the day, we'll take a um, look at it. I, I haven't been to court as a law abiding citizen. Um, I mean, plenty of people who are is your name is your name Gerard Butler? Are you <laughs> you're a law? No, Connor, uh-huh. she, she's Jamie Fox. Okay, oh right, he's the law. <laughs> Doesn't that sort of feel like a similar vibe of a movie? Kind of, yeah. Law it is. It is like a more ridiculous. Yeah, it's a more ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, yeah. So Ben Affleck storms into court. Sam Jackson storms into court, and they both are like, "Your Honor, I just got into a car accident." Yeah, sure. Is that not enough of a reason to delay? I think it is. I think the. I, I don't I was know. Thinking I this mean, too. this. I, I see this part. I like because it's it is that thing of like, you know, a harried metropolis, right? Where like no one can be bothered. It's like, look, I got a long day. Yeah, I don't care what yeah. you know. Like yeah. I, that character actor. I think it's is it Joe Grizzoli who's the judge. He's like. Uh, for Sam Jackson, he's like everybody else was on time. Like you know, it was for yeah, my kids. He's like I sort of extra shitty, but at the same time, but I mean, you're at like, the yeah, same I don't know, time, this just like, like I feel like a classic. Yeah. You know, like yeah. judge doing that. Day. I mean, that's a full day of like, okay, you're speeding. Okay, you want to fight it? You're here mm-hmm. to fight the. You know, like you're yeah, like dealing civil with court, that. Like just civil like court, wheeling right? it in, yeah. wheeling it out. Um, uh, but I agree with you, Marie. Like I think it. I think the way the movie tries to play it to Dan's point is like, is that like, do you believe him necessarily It all? It sort of reads like bullshit, but he is also like soaking wet and clearly disheveled. Yeah. So you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Just give him a, give him 24 there, hours. There's like, also, do they not have another copy of the, right. I mean, like, there, there's a lot of, that's the bit, that was my biggest thing. <laughs> and this is where I'll get back to the, you know, the cell phones thing is like my, my dude would just get on his phone and he would call Sidney Pollack, or even if he didn't want to, he would call. Frickin- he would call Tony Collette. Yeah, he would call, who works in his office, and I well, kind of I think is very good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he would call Tony Collette and 
and then he would be like, I need you to print a new fucking oh, thing but if of this it is, document. Okay. Nobody but if it is, the an, if it is an original, it's, a, it's yeah. probably like the original hard copy with the, you know, the yeah. executed signature. So yeah. they need that legally. Because that's what, that's like, the whole, I got that. But, you don't but, have some kind of. No, but hang, 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 wait, 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 wait. But that's what the whole movie's about, right? The whole point of the movie is obviously the solution is obvious. They they forge the signature and they reprint the document, and that's right. I mean, spoiler mm-hmm. alert for this movie: that's what they do, right? Like yeah. that. But what the movie's about is obviously it becomes this thing of Ben Affleck, great name by the way in this movie, Gavin Bannock. I think it's a perfect name for that character. He's and like Gibbs, uh, what's uh, Doyle, Sam Jackson's Doyle Gibson? Name. Yeah, Doyle Gibson. So yeah. basically, yeah, yeah two really good names. Basically, it becomes this thing where it's it's a morality play right where it basically becomes this thing of like ben affleck has convinced himself that everything is fine right and so at the beginning of the movie he's leaving and the daughter of the philanthropist is like fuck you gavin you sold my father's company out for your new fancy law firm i never thought you you'd be become one of them and he's like what are you talking about like he wanted to sign like we're gonna do good stuff with his with his money and what the movie becomes is this young hotshot lawyer realizing kind of in a mitch mcdeer type of a way right yeah very that i just i said yeah. that to marie he, before like he, it's a very firm yeah kind it's of like thing. firm adjacent he basically becomes like he, he's basically like oh fuck i am the bad guy like i convinced myself i wasn't the bad guy but i'm the bad guy because then he he basically in the process of this horrible day learns that Sidney pollock and richard jenkins who are his bosses and he's going to be made partner because this is a huge cash cow for this company they in the in the contract in the legalese of the rich philanthropist signing over his fund to this law firm, they're going to pay themselves out a few million dollars, right, for the trouble. So they're stealing essentially a few million dollars from this charity fund, right, from this rich guy. So they're doing exactly what the daughter says they're going to do, and he has this crisis of conscience in the movie and at the same time you have sam jackson dealing with almost the opposite version of that which is like he's the guy where it's always there's always a rain cloud over this fucking guy's head right like no matter what there's always a problem and this i will say though i didn't like this movie as much as i used to i still liked it a lot and it is that constant reminder that sam jackson is like really an all-star actor he is great like in he's this movie. always he's great, like i think the only one i mean pollock's doing good work because he's he's great too and like anytime you get but, pollock to be the rich guy who explains why there's evil in the world you're, yeah, you're winning I know, I was, yeah. it's whether it's michael clayton or character. eyes wide show right, or right, any right. of that yeah uh he no he's all but in terms of like and, and affleck's i mean you know to talk about him a little I, I think he's good in this i think it's fine it's it feels like right down the middle kind of um right. i had a I, I did not like this movie Go, go for Let it. Let me tell you why I did not like this movie. Hit us. It reminded me of Marriage Story. Okay. Oh, I love it. Okay. Go on. In that we have a two-hander of two, two sides at war with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we're – that they're the question of who who's – Moral right. Or who has the moral high ground. Right, sure, sure. Right, right. Um, and – I think that all of the problems that Sam Jackson's character is dealing with are like real serious problems. Sure. He is, you know, dealing with an addiction. He is about to lose his children. 
He, yeah, like life altering. He yeah. gets he uh, doesn't have uh, he is completely bankrupted by Ben Affleck fucking with him. Yeah. Uh, so he loses his children, his home, his money, like his, his loan for the house. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. All, all of all of these things, which are like genuine, like human needs. Whereas Ben Affleck's emotional journey is, mm, turns out my cushy job that like I got because my father-in-law is the lead partner at this firm, uh, turns out it wasn't what I thought it would be. And God, like corporate guys are dicks. And like, maybe I shouldn't like mess around with like other people's lives. Like that's his journey as the protagonist is like, yeah. It's just is and, he the is he the protagonist? I mean, I guess he well, is. Sort, he's the, like, think about well, if he, he's the one who undergoes like the character change. Yeah, I guess right. Nice. What, so, yeah, that's Samuel true. Jackson's exactly where he was in the beginning. Right. Yeah. So I will that's say fair. I will say this to your point, Rick, because it's a great point, obviously, and and Sam Jackson literally needs to take the bolts out of Ben Affleck's car in order to even even the uh, kind of moral odds at all, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. that's the most ridiculous part of the movie where Sam Jackson essentially says, okay, fine, I have your file. You gave me you gave me my credit back. Well, let's meet here. Um, you know, get in your car and we'll meet here. And he essentially finds Ben Affleck's car and he fucks with it. And Ben Affleck gets in another accident on the same road because of that. Right. So like the movie almost does that to try to like even the score or whatever. But to your point, you're right. It's like they're dealing with two different problems. But what I did like about that, and this is where you get into kind of I've always whenever you have these conversations like with people about whatever it is, politics or whatever the case may be, any sort of issues, every person thinks that their problems are like their problems are the biggest thing they're dealing with, right? So you can be like a rich guy at a firm or you can be Doyle Gibson or whatever. But like to that person, the hero of your own story, like that, those are your problems, right? So it doesn't mean they're equal, but to you and your life, those are the crucial things. So I think the 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 thing the movie's trying to thread is that, right? It's that idea of like, we're all kind of just trying to go through it, do the rat race, and we have different things. I don't know that it really succeeds. Like I said, rewatching it, it, it's going to such lengths to try to kind of get equilibrium that it yeah. doesn't really work. So I do agree with that. But I think... I did admire what it's trying to get at, I think, ultimately, uh, overall. I don't know. There's also the fact that Samuel Jackson is black. Ben right. Affleck I mean, is white. Yeah. It's not sup- It's not really addressed explicitly in the film. It's certainly a choice, though, I feel like. It's definitely a choice, yeah. but it also it, like, didn't happen have, by like, the deck stacked against one person. Yeah. Like in terms of you know our societal structures and yeah Yeah. another person who is the epitome of privilege like i had not seen the movie before this morning uh i in my head thought it was like sam jackson's character and die hard with a vengeance but the plot of that, uh, oh my God, what's a, the Michael Douglas movie where he falling like- Falling down, right? Yeah, falling down. down. Yeah. yeah, like oh, I literally, okay. that's like sure. what I thought this movie was. And as I started watching it, I was like, great. Let me see Sam Jackson like ruin this white boy's life. Like that's what I thought. <laughs> was, like, it's like a revenge scenario. Yeah. And the movie is like so toothless. Yeah. 
that yeah. I mean that that's fair. I some aspects of that held up for me in a way that again, I don't I think this movie's a little bit more interesting than it's even actually intentionally trying to be because of the things you're talking about and because of just I you know, I feel like the way we watch movies now, frankly, right. especially a movie like this, right? So like I think it's a little bit more easy to digest than it than it even maybe was trying to sort of get out there in the first place. It it feels like a movie that didn't have one or both of them at some point. Do you guys feel that way? What do you mean? Like somebody like jumped it, in I last expect- minute or something? What do you yeah, mean? like I was expecting um, – because I was thinking also a lot about State of Play while watching this movie. Right, Which right. is a movie where that happened, right? So what well, was going to be Brad Pitt until last minute and, Ed, yeah. and Edward Norton. Right, right, right. And then, and then, and then they swapped. Right. Um, and so I couldn't help but think like, Oh, like this feels like it, it I, I don't know. It felt, it felt like it was, it, it was like two other people at some point, which, and the only reason that made me think that was your point, Marie, like they, you almost feel like this movie's not subtle. So you almost feel like they would directly address the fact that Sam Jackson is black. Like you, you almost feel like they would address the racial politics, but like because they don't, it almost feels like it was just written as another part for like a different actor, you know. Um, and then and then Sam Jackson just like w- was in the role. I I don't know f- that for a fact, but yeah, the Wikipedia doesn't have anything about that. I production. right, I couldn't find yeah, like when I not IMDb didn't either, so they may not. It just sort of felt that way to me. Yeah, it just it just feels incomplete like there's the the i wanted the the movie could have been so much uh more impactful as a morality play sure than it is because there are a lot of things kind of floating in the ether that or or maybe at least to your point with the falling down thing or it's like or go the other way and like just be trash like just be like <laughs> right. you know and I, and I like falling down but I'm just saying like just like go f- like full bananas yeah. the other way um real quick before we move on to our sure our final b-side um this this movie reminded me of the safety brothers films okay in the yeah, like the for the f- the first act of it is, yeah. um, it really was like, uh, it, it's interesting thinking about this movie. This was post 9-11, right? Yeah. 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 Because this movie in a way is about like, or 9-11 showed how like good New Yorkers can be to one another. Right. And this movie is like about how horrible New Yorkers can be to one another. <laughs> and I also to think like a that comical like, extent. uh, the Safdie brothers cinema is a lot about horrible grimy new york people stressed out trying to get from point a to point b and bumping into each other i think that um this movie made me feel similarly about the way it handles race as good time does okay and that it's and that it's something that's always kind of on the periphery the way that the white characters are treated versus the black characters who end up getting the short end of the stick you know throughout That's the, interesting. the film yeah. facing consequences that the yeah. white characters aren't um but again like the ending of the movie because it's such like a neat wholesome resolution right where ben affleck's like i'm gonna do pro bono law 
Yeah. Right, and right, like right. Sam Jackson's like, well, I'm getting my wife back. It's like, it, well, you almost, really yeah, insane. like it feels like it should have a darker ending. I will yeah. say it ends, it, it does end with, with what is still one of my favorite covers, the Annie Lennox's cover of Waiting in Vain. Oh, so that's, yeah. So that's <laughs> Great nice. Song. That's also in Serendipity, a movie that I actually like a lot, even though Connor <laughs> digged on it earlier. Um, <laughs> but, oh, real quick, real quick. Yep. Uh, William Hurt is in oh, this movie. Yeah. Okay. Great Talk couple about of scenes. Small, small yeah. Roles. It's a but it's kind of interesting cuz it's like the better way to do an AA sponsor character than the Johnny Galecki character in uh in right, Bounce right, right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's just there and it feels more real and he's just I mean he's a different actor too. So it's what a diff, different part. But like he also, I think, works in television. Yeah, right? I was like, oh, so, broadcast. Yeah, I know okay. that. I kept thinking that the whole time. I was like, oh, is he just supposed to be his character from broadcast news? Um, anyway, no. So it's just part of the, it's the broadcast uh, newsverse. Yes, and, yeah, I'll, and I'll just universe. I'll say this just as a final note, and then I, I'll transition us over to Hollywood land. So I was mentioning this before we started recording. The monologue Ben Affleck gives at the end of this movie, when I was younger and I saw this movie, I always loved it, right? I thought it was like a very powerful monologue, whatever. And it's funny when you rewatch movies like this that had an effect on you when you were younger, because when I rewatched it, I was excited to get back to that monologue. And it made me laugh because it felt so silly to me now, so many years later. So now what? I'm going to dinner, my wife, her parents. And uh, this weekend, I'm going to go look at a boat. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on Monday, I'm going to come back in here and go to work. And then, magically, this whole uh, incredible day just somehow becomes a memory. That's like you go to the beach, you get under the water, it's a little cold. You're not sure if you want to go in. There's a pretty girl standing next to you. She doesn't want to go in either. She sees you. And you know, if you just asked her her name, you would leave with her. Forget your life, whoever you came with. Leave the beach with her. And after that day, you remember her. Not every day, every week. She comes back to you. It's the memory of another life you could have had. Today is that girl. I spent so much of my life reflecting 
on how I liked that monologue. And so it's so interesting, you know, people make this joke about something like Hook all the time, where like you see Hook when you're a kid, probably of our age, right? Like 30s. And if you rewatch Hook, you kind of go like, oh, wow, that's not very good, right? So it's always funny to go back and be like, oh, wow, like that Ben Affleck monologue was so important to me. And now it seems silly. I just I just found that to be kind of an interesting thing as you get older and see more movies and experience more things. Anyway, so like we talked about, this is kind of the end. He makes Changing Lanes. It does better than expected. He makes The Sum of All Fears, which is his Jack Ryan movie, also in the spring of 2002. Also does better than people remember, oh, which is insane to think about given that it had to get pushed back because of 9-11 and then it came out only six months after and has this whole you know, middle part where the fucking... Baltimore Ravens, you know, not that they're not called the Baltimore Ravens, but their stadium yeah. explodes by a nuclear bomb in the movie, which is insane. That that movie did better than I think we remember. Anyway, yeah, I got a, I have a soft spot for yeah, that movie. Yeah, it was okay. Phil Alden Robinson directed it. I um, haven't seen it. It's like a boy movie. <laughs> it's a boy. It is a boy Ben's movie. Ben's real handsome in it, though. Yeah, I, I know. Think he's got like frosty tips yeah. in it. A it does bit have. Too. It does have. I mean, it was in the trailer. It has that great scene, Bridget Moynihan, in also in this movie. Yeah. Um. Yep. Where where. Uh, he's on the plane and he's just been recruited by Morgan Freeman and he's lying to Bridget Moynihan because he's got to cancel their date. And Morgan Freeman's like, no, Jack, tell tell her what you're doing. And he and he like tells her like, oh, I work for the CIA and I'm going to check out the nuclear arms of the you know the Russian government. Yeah. And she thinks he's lying and hangs up on him. Still kills that joke. Still works <laughs> a million and years it cuts later. To Freeman and he's like he's laughing, laughing at him. Come yeah, on, that's great. love it. Anyway, that's good. Freeman, so he, he's just a little joker. He's, he's joking a, around. Yeah. And yeah. so. Anyway, those so those two movies do well, right? In the early O2. And then like we talked about, the next three years, it's Benefer, right? It's that kind of ill-informed music video that didn't play mm-hmm. well at the time. It's Geely, it's Jersey Girl, it's uh Paycheck, it's Daredevil, blah, 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 blah. And then finally, his kind of recovery tour begins with Alan Coulter's movie, Hollywood Land, which is about the life and semi-suspicious death of George Reeves, who played Superman on TV. And was it the late 50s? Is that what it was? Yes. And he committed suicide to kind of ominous circumstances. Not really. Like, if you actually read about it, that's the one thing with this – one of the things with this movie that's kind of funny, like – he killed himself, right? Like nobody but killed him. But I think him. the movie understands that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah the movie, I, the movie, yeah, the movie ultimately understands it. I, it, the beginning of it, it's trying to do something, and I think it is an interesting movie. I think this is definitely the best of the four movies we're going to talk about. At For least sure. I personally yeah. feel that way. Here's my hot take, and you got, and then I'll let you guys go with this. I think the best performance in the movie, and I thought this when it came out, and I still think this now rewatching it. I think it's Adrian Brody. I love yeah. Adrian Brody in this movie. He, At the time, uh, people ignored him even being in it. It was all about Ben Affleck and it was all about maybe he gets an Oscar nomination, like all this stuff, the self-reflecting nature of the performance and whatnot. But re- even re-watching it, it's Brody who's like the heart and soul of the movie. And yeah, it's, he's, he's a great noir ex- character, I thought. And I think a dude who has obviously just generally as his career has, has gone on, it's sort of become this like... Uh, it's sort of become this like what happened to Adrian Brody kind of thing, like whatever. The movie is such an interesting microcosm of like actors that were kind of buzzy in the mid aughts. Sure. Because you have Diane Lane with Unfaithful. Yep. You have, well, 
Ben Affleck is the exception to this because he was in a slump and then right like this is his sort of like somebody extending like a hey yeah Ben like let's do this and then you have Adrian Brody who I think this was still part because this is like what three years after the pianist two three years yeah yeah so it's it's still very much firmly within like his period of Hollywood success speaking of just a little aside I got a text message during this podcast with a uh, link to a New York Post story that the former Mrs. Harvey Weinstein Georgina Chapman is now dating Adrian Brody. Oh, okay. Are you yeah. serious? Really? Yeah, yeah. So fun little bit of celebrity gossip. So here right we, there. yeah. Uh, yeah, Some of it's all Hollywood's, Hollywood's so incestuous. Um, but yeah, Adrian Brody is great. Um, ben Affleck has, I don't know. I think I think Adrian Brody's great, but Ben Affleck's character is more interesting to me. Because it seems right, like right. less of a, it's less of a noir stock character, right? Like it, it feels really specific. Um, there's this one scene in the film which I th- think is pretty incredible, where uh, Ben Affleck, dressed as Superman, goes to perform for a bunch of children. Oh, oh yeah. best scene in the movie, probably yeah, right. It's so and, good, and uh, he is a little loaded. Because uh, he hates his job, which we'll talk more about how Ben Affleck playing a sad man, playing a superhero is very prophetic in this film. But anyway, uh, he is doing this sort of live demonstration for a bunch of kids. There are a bunch of like rubber guns that he folds in half to show, you know, his strength uh, and bullet, you know, rubber bullets bounce off of him. Mm-hmm. And then a small child steps forward asking if he can shoot Superman to see if uh, the gun's uh, bullets bounce off him. And Ben Affleck realizes that it's a real gun and it is loaded. Yeah. And he has to talk this child down from shooting him, remain in character as Superman so as not to, like, destroy the illusion for any of these kids. And he also at this point, like the the knowledge that he very, he more than likely did commit suicide via gun later in the film. Right. Is like, it's very, it's, it's just a very intense scene. And to me, the work that Affleck does in that scene, it, there's a lot of layers to well, it. Oh, hello there, young man. What's your name? Kenneth Giles. Can I shoot you? Kenneth? Why would you want to do something like that? So the bullet bounces off. Can I? Well, if you did shoot me and the bullet bounced off, it might accidentally hit someone else. We don't want that to happen, do we? No. Why don't you just, you and I, here we go, partner. Why don't you just give me that, just hand me that for one minute. I always am a sucker for, like, actors acting as actors acting. <laughs> yeah, I like, totally agree. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that whole scene was like, I, I was think MVP. For I me. think especially since you know you and I don't remember if that comes 
before or after the gone with the wind or not the gone with the wind, the from here to eternity scene where he gets laughed at in the mm. theater and then they decide to cut it, you know, like they like, so you, I don't remember if it, if that scene falls before or after that, but I, it is, I do love that scene in the context of him, you know, not being a very good actor. And it's yeah. like this moment where he's literally like giving the yeah. performance of his life kind well, of thing. Yeah. It reminded me of my, my, one of my favorite scenes ever, which is the scene in Mulholland Drive where uh, uh, Naomi Watts, who seems like a oh, yeah. goody-goody, does an audition with this older man and just blows everyone out of the water with how good of an actor she is yeah. the rest of the movie. She's not that good of an actor, but right. like you have that one scene where you like... You just have to show... <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and you get that like the chills of like, oh, that's why... I'm so into movies and why this is my career. It's because like these sort of magical moments with people acting and how like, you know, no, no, no. it's, it's a, it's a, it is, it is like one of the best scenes in the movie. I really like to your point about him not being a stock noir character. One of the things I love the most about this movie. Um, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this movie came out in conjunction with uh, black Dahlia. Yeah. It was the same, uh, fall. It was uh, right. 2006. Really? So yeah, it wasn't even just the same year. It was like they were like they were like like right near each other. Right. And wow. um, best hey, best part of Black Dahlia, Mr. Josh Hartnett. Thank that's you very true. much. <laughs> that's true. Um, but the yeah, I don't know it it like that where it it follows the beats and and you know and it's De Palma, so he's doing the genre thing and he's building a film noir. I like I I like how this movie chooses to sort of maybe not fully deconstruct the film noir, but deconstruct it a little. Like I, I like the idea that you're sort of doing this kind of cross cut between two scenarios and you're, you see this mystery that you want to get swept up in it because mm -hmm. that's the fun of the genre. And, and it's, and it's, it's sort of sadistically more fun to think that that George Reeves got murdered, right? Where you're like, yeah, like okay, like, and you and so you're waiting for Brody to crack it, and then you're seeing Brody get swept up in it to the point where you know he kind of can't see more than two feet in front of his face, can't see the forest for the trees, and ultimately comes to the conclusion, as the movie does, that like, oh, like it is just what happened. Like, unfortunately, it's right. Funny. And, it's and, also like, funny that, you know, just in terms of like, you're talking about Marie, you know, actors acting like actors acting. It's just funny to think about how Josh Berlin plays Eddie Mannix in Hail Caesar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And obviously, um, you know, whatever, a more comedic version of Eddie Mannix, but Bob Hoskins plays Eddie Mannix, you know, uh, I guess more Hoskins true to life. Is great too. As, Hoskins uh, is so good in this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. Diane Lane, this is like her, right in the afterglow of Unfaithful and Under the Tuscan Sun, right? The one-two punch of those two movies. People are like, oh, yeah, Diane Lane, what's up? This is, like, right after Must Love Dogs, right? Like, this is – she's back. She's starring in movies. And I will say it did make me kind of miss her all over again. I was like, ah, Diane Lane. She's got some good scenes in this movie too, I think, actually. Yeah. Did you guys – I'm assuming you both saw Serenity? The oh yeah I, oh, my I love diane lane, uh, diane lane is in both hollywood land and serenity she's playing like sad horny older woman right right i love that. what's the name of that trope? and even in because like, it, it is like a noir trope like, yeah. even even muscle of dogs that's kind of 
like the prep you know what i mean like that because like, she's older than Q the but there's, but there's like, also like the, in serenity and uh hollywoodland there's something like uh, medicine yeah. uh, there's yeah. something sinister right. about yeah. her right. her age and her horniness right. yeah that's Where, true that that is a huge <laughs> there's nothing sinister she i mean she loves dogs must love dogs she's, I mean, right. she's, she's almost right dog. and like yeah. in hollywood land she's almost present well no maybe it's more the robin tunney character but oh yeah robin it, tunney is oh, i was gonna say she, like yeah. she's, she's going full tunney in this one yeah she's like she's presented as like the venus flytrap right right like right. that that's kind of like her deal um, can i um, just real quickly i think quickly, she's fun in this movie right just, robin tunney I think she has like I don't know I I enjoy watching her real quickly because we now I'm just thinking about it I will say Muscle of Dogs not a great movie but there is that scene in Muscle of Dogs where they're trying to find a condom like and they're trying to find like a gas station or a CVS that's open and they can't because they're in like the suburbs great scene like a very funny John Cusack Diane Lane acting as they're trying to find like so they can hook up it's the, the, this this is like why the b-side exists like we talk about for right. like those scenes in movies where you're like you know must love dogs isn't great or whatever but therein lies a very funny you know exchange between this very weird pairing of john cusack and diane lane in a movie that you've totally forgotten about i i do want to and you touched on it a little bit before i do want to talk a little bit about like the prophetic nature of this movie and especially in the wake of that um recent uh new york times profile on ben affleck which uh, we'll, we'll, i'm assuming we'll link to uh and and listener you should read if you haven't yet it's like a really great uh i think it's almost like the epitome of what a profile on like of its nature should kind of be in terms of the way that it's laid out. But he talks really honestly, a lot, honestly, a lot, uh, about a lot of stuff, namely be namely playing Batman and choosing to walk away from the role because, uh, you know, he, his friends told him that he was going to drink himself to death. Right. Right. And so it was just so like weird and kind of, you know, cool in a morbid way, but like rewatching this movie in that lens and just being like, Oh God, you're, it's like, you just, you saw it coming, didn't you? Cause he's so good at it. Like there's he, when he just sits there and he just looks at himself in the mirror and he's just like, fuck that. Like, just like, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so, so sad. Question is I was pondering this and Google didn't really help. Mm -hmm. uh, has anyone played any more superheroes than Ben Affleck has? If we're counting him as Superman in this movie, right. I think he's Chris, Daredevil. I, I think he's, it's Chris. I think it's Chris Evans, right? Because I think he's just done two Captain yeah. America. Well, no, and, hang on, wait. But this is where you get into this is where it gets complicated. So I think they're tied because Ben. If you count Superman in this movie, and if you count Ben uh, Batman, sorry, and if you count Daredevil, that's three. Chris Evans was the. Was the flat or not the Flash? What is it? The Human Torch, and right. he was Captain America, and he was in the movie Push. Oh, that does not. No. But it is I a superhero movie, though. No, no but like no, but she like, means like in terms of like, property, like, right? like Marvel okay, or okay, DC okay, okay. like branded characters. Then, I don't, then I don't think so. I think it is. He must be the leader. I think jo Josh Brolin has played three. Oh, comic book characters right. but they're not Leads. heroes right sure yeah because he was Thanos he was and he was Cable Thanos, uh, and Jonah Hex oh god and, Jonah Hex yeah, right can't forget about Jonah Hex Jonah Hex but, is like an E side <laughs> <laughs> but the, it, it is interesting that he has played superheroes so many times 
but is also so famous for hating hating them playing superheroes it i i mean i think it's a kind of disdain uh that i think it's part of the reason i liked him as batman is because not unlike some of the better roles that we've talked about they all seem self-reflexive to a degree and to me one of the joys uh, one of the few joys that are in Justice League is the way that Batman's portrayed in the thing of everybody just constantly kind of dunking on him a little bit because mm-hmm. it's like, OK, well, we're all superhuman. Like, what are you type thing? And they're you know, jokes at his expense about that. But they actually threaded through into that being the backbone of his character of him being like, guys, it's still really fucking hard to be Batman. Right. Like and I there's that just old gray drunk sadness which is exactly how i like my ben affleck um i think another good good example of that like uh, i recently just watched triple frontier oh how is that i really liked it again i'll um, say it it, was, it looks like a boy movie it, no, no no it may it may be <laughs> but like have you seen it's got like a you know it's like jc shandor directing like a a treasure, treasure of the Sierra Madre oh, type really? deal. I thought it was like a war, like an Iraq war movie. No, it's they're basically like mercenaries who decide to like pull off this thing to rob this drug cart head of this drug cartel, and it's like Uh-oh. a, you know, like the money gets to the like you know it's that it's that kind of or like a, another one I thought of, and it's not like it's not as good as Treasure of the Sierra Madre or uh, the other one I thought of is like Three a, Kings or something, but a little bit like maybe more in line with that, but. He in it, Affleck is like the dude that they decide to like, he needs to be a part of it, right? Because he's like the ringleader and whatever. But he's like in the middle of a divorce. He he's needs dealing the money. with alcohol problems. Oh, yeah. He needs the money. Interesting. Like it, and it's, it, he's really good in it. It's, it's a little bit more of like, I mean, I guess he's a lead, but it's a little, well, it's a little like, more supporting. He's like, out, he's like the oldest. He's out of shape, right? He's like, yeah, it's, you know, and he's, it, he's good in it. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a, and you, I can't help but think about it, obviously, in conjunction with something right. like The Way Back. Like, it feels like they're the same character, probably. Like Netflix doesn't know how to sell movies to me. That's probably, I mean. Because, I, like, all I saw for Triple, it's like Ben Affleck wearing, like, a vest and some camo holding a machine gun. And I'm like, nah. It's a, it's a way slower burn of a movie than like maybe you're thinking of yeah and no. like i could see i could see maybe people having problems with it be almost because of that like it kind of turns into another movie that's like sort of dry and like plays out maybe not in a way that you're thinking but i was i was really uh charmed by it so i just wanted to give it like a quick yeah i I, I liked it more than most as as well maybe not as much as you connor but i liked it uh as well um so no i mean i i think we're basically i mean is there any uh, anything else you guys wanted to talk about in regards to Hollywoodland? I would be I would pretty much highly recommend it. Like I think it's yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, this one was better than I remembered, right? So like if we're going through it, right? Like, um, you know, Forces of Nature I didn't remember well, so I you know, I guess it's just it is what it is in that respect. And then you know, uh, like we talked about Bounce, I think me and Marie agreed that aged better for us, right? I don't know, Connor, did you feel the same way about Bounce? It's, I mean, I think, I thought it was fine. I still have kind of problems with Bounce in terms of like, I, like, there's that one moment in Bounce where her friend is like, 
you know, she tries to work through the logic of like, oh, there's always going to be somebody that replaces your husband, even if it's not him. And it's like my my take on that would be like, yeah, but it definitely shouldn't be Ben Affleck. Like, just <laughs> like find another guy like it. Yeah, but you know I get what's it. Though? And, I, and, I I'm, I, and I'm like, you kind of have yeah. me with your take, Marie, because I I watching it was a little more like, ugh, but like I get that it is like. I don't want to say I, I don't know which way to say this. It's like it's a little more benevolent or less malevolent. Yes, it's than, less malevolent than you would think. Right. And like so I I was OK with that. And it, you know, it, it did rub me a little bit the wrong way, but it's definitely not. I don't have as complicated feelings towards it as I do say the town like a movie that I like and find pretty entertaining but to oh, yeah. totally have to like tiptoe my way through the minefield that are like the I mean, sexual politics you, of that movie I, I the town <laughs> is the town is a really entertaining movie but I will never forgive it for letting the Ben Affleck character get away at the end like yeah it's crazy. I don't want to get I don't want to get haze code about it or whatever like because <laughs> you know you, we can have complicated stories but the fact that that motherfucker is like in Florida at the end I'm like dude you killed like seven cops like you know what yeah, i mean like it's yeah, a little like, it's anyway, a little anyway. it's a little like the only extra worst step that that movie could take i think in that regard and i like you i like it but the only extra worst step step it could take in that regard is if like rebecca hall was in florida with him at right. the end of the movie you'd just be like oh like i think i would have just like thrown my hands up and walked out of the theater um, let but, me let um, me quickly I will defend that Blake Lively performance. I said it in the last episode. I'll say it again. And just a quick <laughs> shout out. It'll, a future, You're not a fan? A future B-side. Uh, let me just quickly say the rhythm section currently I out. wanted to see that. I, I did too really, and I missed it. really liked it. So just for a future B-side episode, Blake Lively in the rhythm section. Very interesting movie. Reed Morano directed it. Very talented director. So just put that in your back pocket, listeners, for a future so date. Dan, you know, I guess while we're wrapping up here, what what would you like next from Ben Affleck? Well, so he's making I so uh, all irony aside, and we brought it up at the beginning. And this is maybe the first time this has ever happened. What he is doing right now is exactly what I want from Ben Affleck. Like, <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. Like seriously, like him reuniting with Matt Damon. They're both at these weird moments in their careers, right? Where like Matt Damon just had you know, a little bit of success with Ford v Ferrari, obviously, but following a lot of kind of you know slight misses up, up and down, right? You know, after The Martian, they're reuniting for this kind of interesting, problematic subject. Nicole Hofsner also wrote the script, who I love, love, I love. I didn't know that until the recent New Yorker or New yeah. York Times profile, and I was like, and she, yeah, and Nicole Hofsner, all joking aside, is truly, you know top 10 for me working filmmakers like i've loved every single one of her movies you know everybody listening seek out walking and talking lovely and amazing please give enough set all of her movies mm -hmm. are amazing friends with uh money is really good too uh great jennifer anderson yeah. performance um anyway so that they're all working together with really scott to make this period like thriller <laughs> drama like movie based on a novel that i gotta read or a historical novel whatever it is that's my answer like he's doing what i want him to be doing right now <laughs> um what about you uh god i just want him to do more seasons of project Greenlight. <laughs> God, I, I mean, you, have you watched that movie though? No, I have not. But I was 
The leisure, Absol- the leisure. Are we talking I have the leisure not watched class? The leisure class. Oh my god! But I was absolutely gripped by that season. Wait, oh, so- I'm totally forgetting the filmmaker's name, but I started seeing him all around Brooklyn as a oh, I- dude. Wait, okay, so Marie. He- this wait. So Connor, <laughs> yeah. do you have a story about? Because I have, I have a New York story with this guy. Y- you, you tell it first. You tell no, first. No, so, so. Like the day after the finale aired, because I was equally gripped, I went to a screening of a movie for the film stage, must have been, and I was literally like shitting on him, like, or whatever, with a buddy walking into the screening. We stopped talking, we sat down, and who is sitting directly in front of us at the screening but that dude? And I was like, what so you know so okay he he lives in our he lives in our hearts and in our minds forever i I have the same exact story (laughs) was was you were you my buddy no no Uh, no i feel like chad had a similar story probably i went with a friend of the show Corey everett Mm -hmm. past and future guest Corey everett we went to go see son of saul at uh at moma (laughs) and and uh and we um, we sat down and the seats in this particular theater, not comfortable. They're sort of like a little bit like metrograph, like they're just kind of hard and like in place and like whatever. There's not really much you can do about it. Right. And um, right as the movie started, I just feel this knee like going to my back and like somebody's like making themselves comfortable. And I just assume like whatever movie theater etiquette's hard. So I'm just like, hey, it'll be done. And this like it the, the this is how this person has chosen to sit and i just look over my shoulder and it's that fucking guy oh and, my god and i was just like okay uh, and it was it was i wanted it might have been like right after that like it must have been right at the same time because i like recognized so just so we don't so we gotta give him credit that dude's name was jason mann yeah i may just we, looked him up may we never forget that movie's still on hbo you can watch it on hbo go right and now look, jason yeah. if you're listening by chance you know uh what i, I guess better do? luck on your future endeavors and uh i for one would love to hear whatever behind the scenes gossip you have about ben affleck <laughs> seriously what about so you, you want Connor? more what, you want what's... you want more runway um or green light, not yeah, I want, light. My, yeah. I want more green light. <laughs> I was just thinking Project Runway with Ben Affleck. That'd be interesting. Um, no, but uh, I don't know. I kind of with you, Dan. I feel like I've gotten an, enough of a degree of like some of the more left or right turns he could make. Like I, I always, I jo- always joke about how I say everybody should like take their take their turn in a Malik movie. He's done it. Yeah, he did. Uh, he, he, did is, he didn't like the experience. Has, and, and I I like to the wonder a lot, but I do think he is not really a great Malick actor, and that's not really his fault. I feel like with people who kind of flounder in Malick movies, it's usually not their fault. They're just it's the way Terrence Malick makes movies. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I like I said with Triple Frontier, that sort of that sort of like deeply sad. I I feel like when the dude really leans into his whatever his like deep seated emotions are. Um, are is when i like him the most i think that comes particularly from the fact that he got so much shit in his early career for being such such a maybe like shallow actor uh that that you know i'm i'm jacked for the way back i'm i'm, I'm down yeah, for I really it so hope, i really hope the way back is it, a big hit that would make me happy um yeah you know i mean i don't i don't know i i i 
I don't know that, you know, if there's any particular kind of strange role that I would love to see him take again. I'd love to see him work with David Fincher again. Yeah. That would, that would right. be kind of cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's about it. Um, so Marie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having yeah. me. Where, uh, w anything you want to plug? Where can we find you? Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of balls juggling in the air right now. That's okay. A couple things in post, a couple things in prep. Uh, As you revealed on Twitter, you are the Joker, so you're a client. I, yeah, so I, I started Love this new. Bit. Love that bit. I started this new Twitter persona um, where I think now that the Oscars are over, it's like funny to do Joker memes again. Um, but I also just deleted Twitter off my phone. Oh, good for you. Highly recommend you guys yeah, do that. It's funny. <laughs> Me and Connor were just talking about like how, if not for this podcast, we would have probably done that last week, uh, yeah, because of certain things that went down. Um, so yeah, well, good move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, so I I may not be tweeting so much, but I am very active on Instagram still uh, at Marie Barty M A R A E. B-A-R-D-I. Uh, if you follow me, um, you'll get lots of Ben Affleck related content. I had a whole story last week about uh, Ben and Gwen's relationship and their awful paparazzi photos together. Uh, a lot of stuff about how Michael Bay made uh, Ben Affleck get his teeth capped oh, yeah. for Armageddon, quick, which I didn't Quick know. shout out to that commentary, by the way. Ben Affleck's commentary track on Armageddon is oh, it's great. Perfect. Um, Point the uh, drill sorry. at the ground and press on. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we should link to it and we'll link to yeah. it in the yeah, thing. Yeah, I'll link, I'll um, link to the YouTube of like the one of the one that one scene is like when I asked Michael Bay it, it, if it wouldn't just be easier to just train oil drillers to become astronauts instead of the other way around, he told me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's great. Um, I would watch him. I would watch him work with Michael Bay again too. Why not? Um, yeah, seriously. But uh, I guess provided it's better than Six Underground. But um, yeah, Dan, where can we find you? Oh, I am at DJ Mecca on Twitter and, um, you know, writing stuff for the film stage when I can. Just reviewed The Call of the Wild, which we touched on briefly when we did our Harrison Ford B-side. Spoiler alert, I liked it. That will be a surprise to no one who listens to this show. Um, Dan Meccacore. And um, yeah, uh, that's me and uh, plenty more coming uh, from... Uh, the film stage as always and uh, you can follow me on twitter at scruffy looking you can follow this podcast on twitter at tfs b-side we are also now as of this recording also available on iHeartRadio. so if that's where you get your podcasts you can follow us there now um and yeah we'll have some cool stuff coming up and uh i guess otherwise enjoy the way back and we've done it We've been there. We've been there. And done Affleck. Oh, wow. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>